right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast slash live show. Solly here, ready to talk KPMG Women's PGA and Travelers Championship. TC is here. Hello, Mr. Tron Carter. Greetings. Greetings. Mule season is upon us. Mule season is upon us. Didn't get any Ludwig updates in the chat today. I just realized that as we got into the Travelers, but I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get into Listen, that. We saw uh, his floor. A it little bit. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there. Big Randy is here. He is thrilled with everything that went on at the KPMG Women's PGA today. He loves the direction of women's golf and how it and how it's being presented on television and how it's the future of being a golf fan. Hello, Big Randy. How are you? Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Uh, turned out to be a nice KPMG tournament. I got some thoughts. Otherwise, can't wait to get it into into them summertime is officially here and it is high noon scn it also means the limited edition high noon pool pack is back it has peach it has lime and the two limited edition flavors guava and kiwi i've already told you about 50 times that guava and kiwi are my favorite been sleeping a little bit on the peach in terms of how i've talked about it on this show it's fantastic the lime is my fourth favorite but it's perfect if you want exactly one high noon i I, when i get going on the guava or the kiwis I want to have multiple, but if you want one, lime is it. That is it. It's clean. It's crisp. It's really nice. Uh, it is only available this summer, so get it while you can. You can look for it on Drizzly or wherever you buy High Noon, and to find it near you, you can visit highnoonspirits.com. Again, it's a limited edition eight-pack uh, with two lime, two guava, two kiwi, and two peach cans. Uh, it is my absolute favorite. It's right there in Publix when it greets me. If I didn't have uh, cases and cases of it in my garage, I would be uh, shopping there very frequently for it. So we appreciate High Noon's uh, sponsorship of the show and our live shows all year long. Randy Runing Yin has won the uh, KPMG Women's PGA. She is out from underneath the rule of her, uh, you know, very, 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 very strict landlord, uh, Janet Lin, Z.U. Lin, however you would like to call her. And she has won a major championship at the age of 20. What's your reaction to what we witnessed today? I, I think first and foremost, this is a win for the renters. You know, I hand up. I, I know you guys certainly aren't renters anymore. You, you're living the C-suite life. You're big shots. But today reminded people, you know, sometimes the little man, the little woman can rise up and overcome the uh, the capitalistic landlord overlords. And so I congratulate Runing Yin. In all sincerity, it was a hell of a performance. Bogey free today. Uh, we'll get into it, but 37 consecutive greens in regulation to close the tournament for her. She, I, I'm guessing she's not a name a lot of people know. I mean, certainly the LPGA diehards. Uh, Which the point I end up here. Yeah. We did an hour and a half long preview, and I don't think we mentioned her name. So that, that's, yeah. that's on us as well here. For sure. She and... That's only the fault of ours. That's no fault of hers. What I was getting ready to say is she's 20 years old. She's the same age as Rose Zhang, Titicum. She won earlier this year on the LPGA Tour, has has been playing very well, and now has a major championship. Uh, I, I think, as everybody saw, tons of game, very worthy winner. I think it's another young, talented golfer that we're seeing emerge on the LPGA Tour, which is fantastic for the future of the game. Solly, I think... You know, is is twenty young? 
Can we confirm that? <laughs> I think we have to ask that question. I think we, I, I would still consider that to be quite young. Yes. It just, you, you never know how long these runs are going to last for players. And it, I, I, maybe it shouldn't have taken me until Sunday. And I, I, that may be a coverage take for me to like look up at the screen and be like, holy shit, what a golf swing. Like what a move, incredible, like lack of effort of getting that club, uh, the club face through the zone. Really great divot taker, which I, you know, you know me, I love and always respect somebody that takes really nice pelts. Uh, she hit, as Justin Ray pointed out, and as you said, Randy, 37 straight greens to close out a major championship on a big test. Like Baltus Roll, I think at one point was playing longer than uh, TPC River Highlands was uh, this week, which is sick. And we can talk a little bit about that, but uh, really, really tough test of golf. I really like the flow of the tournament. Uh, tough, tough. And then towards the end, there was a chance to make runs today. And we saw a lot of runs happen. We got an exciting finish, a lot happening, maybe too much happening uh, for the lack of cameras that they had out there and a little bit of confusion what was going on very much near the end. But uh, overall, really good tournament. They got a little done dirty with the weather and kind of sucked a little bit of the crowd energy out of it by the end of it, unfortunately. But uh, it, it nonetheless, it was a it was a really good golf tournament. Yeah, Yin's got some starting to bank some serious uh, wins on good courses. You know, I'll, I'll suspend my Baltus roll bit. Uh, I thought Baltus Roll played played great, but won at Wilshire earlier this year, and you know, like very, very impressive uh, duel. Uh, wasn't in, was that wasn't she the one? Didn't didn't she win at Palos Verde? She won at Palos Verdes, and you're, I don't blame you for getting confused there, TC, because they flipped the court. They flipped because uh, Wilshire hosted a different tournament this year. Oh, they it did, is confusing. Yeah, actually, so yeah, Palos Verdes was probably more Another similar to yeah. Baltus Roll as far as like the actual. Like you had to drive the ball well. You had to do all that. Uh, oh. And, well, TC, she finished tied for fourth at Wilshire. There we go. So, Wilshire, uh, not Wilshire. Wilshire. Wil yeah. Wilshire is my local Denver <laughs> Muni that I like. Uh, shout out TC's Mr. Ross. Try to keep his name in the running for memberships out there after flaming the <laughs> LACC members last weekend. He's got to keep his options open. But uh, No, just a couple of more notes on Runin Yin. As Justin Ray pointed out, you know, he's spearheading this KPMG performance insight stuff. Runin Yin came into this week far and away the leader in shots gained tee to green on the LPGA Tour at 2.64 per round. The next closest, Jin Young Ko at 1.95. And then shots gained approach, she leading the tour coming into this week at 1.71. Next closest, Jin Young Ko at 1.4. The relative weaknesses of her game had been putting she was negative 1.07 shots uh shots gained putting per round which is not great and just kind of right at like neutral zero shots gained around the green so i think where she excelled obviously hit the ball excellent excellent iron play approach play and you know made enough putts or avoided enough three putts uh, to to take it home this weekend. I'll say to the final little three hole stretch at Baltus roll, it, it banged a little bit. That was a, that was a really intriguing stretch, really tough par three, uh, good left pin today. It was interesting to watch players try to go after it. Yuka Sasso got bit by it, missed too far left. Roseanne got bit by it, missed too far left. And then the back to back, uh, par five finish with the Sahara Desert in the, on the 17th hole, unreachable, but a really fun front pin. And it was interesting to watch players attack that one. And no one seemed to be able to make any putts uh, on that pin up front. And then 18 with the tee up in the proper spot, risk reward off the tee a little bit in terms of you drive it closer. I don't know if you needed to drive it close to the water, but a lot of water balls off the tee is always an interesting element. 
Ziyu Lin ended up finishing uh, at six under two shots back, drove it in the water off the tee on the 72nd hole. Uh, and then watching uh, Rooney in missed the fairway on the right in the rough and then laid up from 100, uh, laid up to 100 yards, hit a great wedge shot to 10 feet. And I don't know if they quite delivered on the moment that that putt was for the, to win a major, uh, but then calmly rolled in a 10 footer in the middle of the cup to win a major championship. Which shout out to our girl LC Lauren Coglin refused refused to give Runinian the uh, the read on that putt. You know she she kind of misread it. I don't know if she hit like a little cut putt, uh, but she was not gonna she was not gonna give her an easy read on that last. Did one. they set it up a lot easier today? Like I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and maybe it was just because the conditions were, you know, a little bit less spicy with with the delay and all that, but like there were a lot more low scores out there than there were yesterday or Friday for that matter. For sure. A lot more low scores, two sixty fours, uh, Carlota Saganda, who honestly has to be kicking herself a little bit. I mean, she, she had it to six under for the tournament with five holes to play, including both of those par fives, but couldn't make any birdies. Perrine Delacour also shot a 64 TC. I, I think it must be some combination of, Probably a little easier setup combined with, you know, just more moisture, maybe. I, I was I was thinking the same thing, but then it's like you look at Jin Young Ko who went backwards, you know, Leona Maguire, really that whole final group was struggling. So guys, yardage it, was the same. It was 65 was it? 33, um, which again it was it was not playing longer than River Highlands, which I was Somebody sent me a screenshot that may have been not not very accurate, so I apologize for that misinformation earlier. But yeah, sixty five thirty three, which is, I mean, they never played it outside of sixty five hundred yards the entire week. They never moved around. They moved around a little bit of stuff, but almost none of the. T- no, look at the yardages day by day. Uh, it doesn't look like they moved around a single tee box all week. Uh, which yeah, I, I'm guessing maybe a little more accessible pins, a little more funnel adjacent pins today. But in reality, it was just little softer golf course and they could yeah. uh, get after it a little bit today. I was expecting a little bit more fireworks on the back-to-back closing par fives this week. Right? I was too. That, that's maybe my one complaint was 17 was just a three-shotter, which is fine. I, I would have liked to have seen 18 a bit more. Hey, with two really good shots, you can have a good eagle yeah. look. I think there was one eagle on 18 today, Lynn Grant, I saw. Um, Pro- proper player, though. Yeah. From a bomb to a hell of a putt. I will say this for 17 and 18 being back-to-back part fives, like 17 today playing 532, 18 playing 500 wet. Like you're not getting on 18. You're not getting any balls to like feed up from the green. They're all hitting three woods in. Like it just doesn't really set up for that. (laughs) Which is funny because you saw Yuka Sasso on 18. Oh my God. She, I, I assume it was maybe three wood that she hit in, but it's a good thing. The bunker caught that because that thing was going to be, 20 yards long of the green. She was the only person I saw that was anywhere close to being able to fly it whole high. Yeah. Rose after Rose's drop, I mean, she flew it and she didn't fly it, but it ended up behind the green, tried to hit a decent ship to get out there and, and try to salvage it. But they were the only two Lynn's putt was absolutely incredible. I know like the cameras don't, don't do it justice, but that green is severely canted on the left-hand side, feeding all the way down to like the back, right. And it's cool in that the front area is super firm because you can get it to run and chase all the way back up to that right corner. But with the amount of water that they had, it just wasn't going to happen. I liked how it played, Randy. It was not a gimme. Everyone can get there. It took a really well-executed tee shot and a well-executed second shot. Um, and it was, a, it was an birdie was an earned score on 18 today. There was not like it was a feast. 
Um, I kind of thought at one point, you know, I thought Rose needed to get to nine to win it, and it, it, that would have won by one. I thought more people would have gotten to eight, but uh, it was not handing out birdies. Like, uh, it was not a free crack giveaway. Yuka Sasso snuck up on everybody, especially the production crew uh, in, in this golf tournament. A lot of people snuck up on the production crew. <laughs> <laughs> and I was stunned that she almost won this golf tournament, but had an awesome up and down from the left bunker from, the, you know, long bunker shot probably a 40 yard bunker shot down the hill to this slippery slidey little pin uh needed to get it up and down to maybe get into a playoff and and did it and but uh ruining in just came through in the end it's a shame we don't have neil here neil's neil's won a couple uh couple member guests at the straw <laughs> <laughs> they neil has a plaque out there somewhere i think him and him and mr nicholas uh yes yeah, so i i agree i think beginning of the day I would have said I love how they've set up 17, 18, 18 specifically. I think once we got to the back nine and seeing so many people kind of around the lead within a shot or two, I kept being like, oh, damn, it'd be really cool if Eagle was really a possibility on 18, but no way to know that. It, I, I think overall impressions, though, I, I like you, I, I really like Baltus Raw. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great test. Again, banging on this drum, playing these courses that – are part of the American golf landscape and, and hold such a, you know, lofty place. Uh, it's wonderful that the women are getting there and playing. I, I think it was a course that there was such a fine line between being confident and aggressive and like playing offense versus getting a little bit on your back foot, starting to be defensive and then, you know, almost putting to avoid three putts. I, 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 thought that was kind of the dynamic at play all week and it was just curious to see players going from one to the other and you know Leona McGuire looked like a totally different golfer today I mean she showed a little bits of signs yesterday on the back nine but man she was I'm guessing she was both out of gas and just could not get it going but it looked like she was playing with no confidence from the get-go and she ended up at T8 and not that close to winning it three shots back. But the Rose Zhang run today was very real. I'm skipping down the leaderboard a little bit here, TC, to, to say it was a, a very serious buzz that was going on uh, in, in watching her make a run. She shoot, goes out in 31, flips over, birdies the 11th hole, almost birdies 12, a long par three, hit an absolute seed to the back left pin that just rolled past, uh, didn't birdie there. Had a sloppy bogey on 13, which set her back. Turns right around and birdies 14, had a good look on 15, couldn't cash it. And then the bogey on 16 really kind of uh, sank her, her hopes there. And uh, had a good look again for birdie on 17, just missed it a little bit low. Hit it in the water off the tee on 18, but was able to scramble and make par uh, after taking a drop. So she she did have her chances, man. And she could have easily got it to eight under, especially with those two par fives coming in. I know. Don't you think it was that putt on 15? Like if that goes, I think, I wonder if she hit the shot she wanted to hit on 16. She missed left of that green, short-sided herself in that bunker. But I'm I'm just curious if not getting the birdie on 15, she felt like she had yeah. to go at the flag to get to, again, we were all saying like eight under, probably playoff, but maybe you got to get to nine. I, I just felt like, man, missing that putt on 15 was, in hindsight, kind of what did her in. I think in hindsight, too, some of the stuff from Friday – like coming in those last few holes and the really oh, sloppy yeah. double. Like that's where she shot 74 on Friday. That was really where it seemed to get away. She wasn't as big, you know, like as big a part of the tournament as you would have expected going into Saturday. She's going to post a lot of yellow Wikipedia 
Uh, she's gonna have a lot of yellow Wikipedia squares in her career. <laughs> she's gonna be in around a lot of these. Like I don't know if she's gonna win thirteen. Uh, I don't know if the projection change. I don't know if Neil wants to change his over under down to twelve now that she did. I don't know if he was cashing this Clock's one. Ticking. <laughs> yeah, counting this one, but uh, it. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't know. We'll be waiting to see, but she's gonna be around a lot of these. I don't think her odds are gonna be much longer than they were. She was twenty to one coming into this week. I think that. I think those days are over. I think that's long gone already. Uh, are you guys gonna gonna? Call some people out for their backdoor top tens this week. I mean, you you, you seem to love yeah. doing that with Tommy. So that's let's, you let's love do doing that. That's the whole thing. Like you hate the backdoor top tens, <laughs> and you flipped it on Tommy. Like don't uh, put this on us. Backdoor top five for Tommy. We're trying to hold you to the same standards that you should be holding yourself. TC, come on. I expect a little bit more uh, ingenuity there. TC, I think we got to. I, I think we got to do it to the Swede. The big suite and a Nordquist. 66 65 on the weekend. Uh, uh, after 74 73 to start it out. Yeah. Uh, true backdoor. And then I, I mean, Megan Kang, too. I mean, 67 67 on the weekend. Hell of a weekend. Finished tied for three. It's, it's crazy. Three of those four uh, women at tied for at T3, Saganda, Nordquist, and Kang really came out of nowhere. You know, Randy, say, I whiffs a backdoor. I don't know anyone that watched more of this tournament than you probably did this week. I feel like I watched a ton of it. If you'd, if you'd like, if somebody would have asked you like today at like 3 p, like when they restarted the golf, did Anna Norquist make the cut this week? What would your, what would your answer have been? I've been like, ah, I don't know. I like, did. She, I don't know. I don't think she did. The only thing I knew she, I knew she did only because I knew she shot 66 yesterday. Okay. I didn't see a single shot of hers yesterday, and I think I saw a few putts of hers today. But yeah, point taken. She she was nowhere in the in the broadcast really. Like I'm thinking about Megan Kang, and I'm wondering like if she gets done with the round of golf and is like, man, I was I made an incredible run. Like I can't wait to go back and like watch this on TV and just be like, her family be like, yeah, they showed a couple putts. Like those, those they went in good job like really good job like I, they almost had a winner sneak up on them i don't know if we want to start hamstring just now but they almost had a winner completely sneak up on them yeah we also had that three wood on 18 and she'll she'll be able to live she that one it. it wasn't the worst That's true the worst three wood that we saw today sorry steph meadow uh but megan's three wood was megan's was right gonna win one of these things soon like i'm gonna keep it's it's shocking to me that she hasn't yet and you know i know solid she's 25 i know she's she's no, not young by any means. It's Can you not? Um, can you not tonight? But you know, like that's back to back top tens and majors, and and pl- like played well in two or three of them last year as well. So, well, I'm going to give you a chance to go down the leaderboard here uh, shortly, and we're going to talk, of course, some PGA Tour golf here. But it's worth pointing out the weekend and week out on the PGA Tour, the most popular driver among the best players in the world is a Titleist. The tour's favorite model is the TSR3. And while that may be true, the key to greater speed and accuracy looks different for every player. So whether you need to improve your spin control, your launch angle, impact point, all that stuff works together, right? You, this is definitely not be something you should be self-diagnosing or trying to figure out on your own. I would consider myself a pretty relatively advanced level golfer, and I have no business even setting whatever settings I would be setting on my own club. Like I don't change the setting on my club without consulting somebody or having some data in front of me to do it. It, it really is that specific, and it really will make that big of a difference. As I should have mentioned, the uh, Titleist Fitter can conf- configure your TSR driver that delivers exactly what you need. The combination of Titleist's unique SureFit system and forehead designs from TSR1 all the way to TSR4 means you'll be stepping up to the tee with a driver custom-tuned to your swing, as TC likes to say. 
after your TSR fitting, you'll you'll be you'll feel like you're playing offense. I don't know if you have anything to add there. I played yesterday. Uh, I feel like I kind of validated. I've raised my floor. I'm up, I, yes. I shot 72 yesterday. Double like in the pouring rain on a easy par five, and then three birdies coming in. And I'm like, you know What's what? The like, index? I'm not. What's I'm not afraid guy? to go low anymore, guys. <laughs> 1.7. Oh, wow. yes. I'm, I'm going to be getting pops from TC here soon. I, I also played my third round of golf in eight weeks uh, yesterday, and I hit 13 of 14 fairways. So uh, I, I found a little something. Straight left arm is very What are you at right now? I'm a one point. Uh, I was a 1.9. I don't know what I went down to today. So uh, you can head to Titleist.com to find a Titleist fitter near you. And I will turn it over to you, TC, to go down the leaderboard as far as you'd like to go. Well, not, no, that's not true. I'll, you can go down the leaderboard a little bit here. Any other performances you want to shout out specifically? Ayaka Furue. Furue. Did I, did I say it correctly? No, no, you did not. I didn't? Furue. No, Furue. Think about putting the food away. Furue. Nope. That's even worse. Food away. Furue. Furue. All right, that's closer. That's, All right. That's, that's All a little right. better. Uh, 69 66 on the weekend. T8. Guys, we got to talk about Jenny Shin's pre shot routine. Uh, she um, was also there at T8. That kind of took over most of the commercial free last 54 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, it was brutal. I, I hate, well, let me just say something nice about Jenny. Really enjoyed her overall, just enjoyed she seems what delightful. she had going on. Yeah. Yes. Great attitude. Enjoyed, I mean, good swing. Enjoyed watching her play golf, but. It's one of those things. It's like once, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Once you hear something, you can't unhear it. And once I kind of got sucked into her pre-shot routine, it it started to annoy me a little like, bit. Do you know how hard it is to get put on the clock when you're in contention on the final round of a major? Yeah, I wonder how much that plays. That final group just had absolutely no juice. Yeah, she she was struggling, grinding out there. Didn't really do anything outside of the birdie to start out around but uh reached out for comment of course she she knows this she knows that this is an issue she's trying to work on it but man it was really bad because i forever watching her round it felt like like one putt's gonna drop and then she's gonna be right back in yeah. this. obviously the bogey on 15 took her out of it but like man she played really really good golf she should not be taking that long though it's fucking Truly. painful that final three ball combined for four birdies. That's tough. Yeah, I was really disappointed in Leona. Like, you know, like we, we don't need to talk about Perrine Delacour's final round 64. Didn't didn't get her in the top 10. T11 there. Uh, Leona. This sucks. Let shocked. me. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, TC. Oh, I was just, I was shocked. Like, I, that's like, I, I've, I hold Leona up as a killer. Yes. Like, I, that's how I view her because of, her Solheim Cup performance and all of that. Like, I've seen her kill up close. And and how she carries herself, yeah. too. And She had it, a different look on her face by the end of today. I mean, I know getting beat down a little bit uh, will do that to you, but it was not the same stride in her step. And I, I know she won last week, and fatigue was probably probably a factor and cited often on the broadcast. I don't disagree with that. Like, that's part of the reason why I picked her not to win this week was like, yeah, it's tough to go back-to-back. Like, that's an emotional a lot of emotional energy spent last week rolling into this and holding the lead for so long this week. It was, I honestly wasn't that surprised. And I don't mean that as a slight to her at all. I think that's just a big ask. It's also gotta be exhausting. It's, like yeah. when the weather sucks and you don't know what yeah. time you're going out and you're getting yeah. delayed and you're going out earlier than expected and all that. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't shout out Stephanie Meadow as well. She stuck around and like 
you know, finish T3. I mean, very good and week. We mentioned it in passing. She had a chance. She needed to eagle the 18th hole to get into a playoff and hit the fairway on 18. And Cole topped it on top of the water, uh, <laughs> did not go into the water, skipped off the water and cleared the Just pond. Sick. Which was sick. It was, <laughs> was it like a good five skipper. It was I'm guessing she awesome. had to absolutely nuke a three wood to get there and just decide I'm going to go for yeah. it, whatever, which I will support it. We're not making fun of it, but it was well, sick. which call back to uh, Albane Valenzuela at the Chevron yeah. in a somewhat similar position, more carryover water, but Albane laid up, took her nice top five finish. Uh, Stephanie was going for it. So I respect that. Uh, I want to shout out Grace Kim. She's playing really, really good golf this season and, you know, on the heels of her her win in Hawaii at the Lote, uh, 14th, cleared $147,000. Like, that's a big check. For these $10 ladies. million bucks yeah. this week. Shout out to KPMG continuing to just keep one-upping themselves in terms of, uh, you know, I don't know I don't know what their competition is for this purse. It's it's the other majors, but they're just continuing to top everyone else in, in supporting women's golf, buying extra TV hours, which we'll get into and all that. But yeah, yeah shout out to KPMG for that because uh, the next name I think you're probably going to get to is Lauren Coughlin, who made 125K for her team. Listen, I wasn't, finish. you know what? I was going to shout out Brooke Henderson first. Okay. I was going to shout out Allison Corpuz, and then yes. Okay, now you're just literally reading names on the on <laughs> that. Let's, we got to pick out some names here. TC, good week or disappointing week for disappointing Brooke? week. I mean, she she shot 67. She was the first round leader, like, you know, and then yeah. back and then backed up with a 74 on on Friday. So, you know, strong finish. But I think part of what we talked about a couple weeks ago with Brooke, though, is like like you want to see a higher floor out of her, right? And I think a T15 in a major is, you know, I'm I'm not begrudging that. I think that's progress. I'd almost argue she has the floor. I'm I have concerns about the top end. And I know that's silly. She's won two majors, yada, yada, yada. But mm, I don't know. She doesn't she doesn't quite do it for me. She doesn't instill confidence that Do you have more she's confidence in Nelly or Brooke? That's a good question. Probably Nelly. Okay. Yeah. Definitely Nelly. I'd like to congratulate Lauren for uh, not once but twice making it into the six figures uh, of pay within uh, from KPMG, something in nine years that I failed to do even once. So I want to congratulate <laughs> her uh, for cleaning up at this championship for back-to-back seasons. Yeah, 125K and, and really hung tough today. I think you bogeyed the first hole, birdied the second. I was texting with her earlier. She's like, yeah, like that rain delay like was a big asset for me. Like That allowed me to, to really you know, be able to kind of go in, hit the reset button and, you know, do better. So, um, yeah, proud of her for, for sticking around and shooting 72 when it looked like it could have been a 76 today. I'd say, uh, on our Friday show, we, we put, I think almost everyone picked either Jin Young Ko or Minji Lee to win this championship. And they both finished in a tie for 20th. Uh, Minji went 75, 69, Jin Young went 69, 73 on the weekend and, uh, vacated the premises, which makes the, the performances, the very top stand out a little bit more, just knowing that the two players of that caliber, uh, absolutely did not get it done this weekend. I was going to say hitters only at the T20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you joke him, Lynn Grant, Minji Lee, Jin Young Ko, like ballers. I, I Guys, I, I I don't think I'm quite ready to officially announce this, but look for it at the conclusion of U.S. Open Week, if need be. Uh-oh. Who are you putting on notice? Jin Young Ko. Fuck yeah, Randy. So Let's go. TC called her today. back in the preview. I said, that's disrespectful to Jin Young Ko. 
so disappointing when seemingly everybody's making a move for the world number one to go backwards. I can't have it. I can't stand. I can't stand by and watch that. She hasn't won a major since 2019. She's on notice. She's on notice through the end of 2023. And also, she has the two kind of fake majors. She's won the Chevron, which was the ANA, and the Evian. Like I, I those count. If you've won, uh, like they will all count retroactively. If you've won, you have one to of the validate three them. Real majors, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's it. Gabby Ruffles T twenty four. I just want to take a victory lap on that one. Uh, you know, tried to warn y'all. Gabby T twenty four is coming. <laughs> Thank you. Gabby's got game. You know, Gabby reminds me of Megan Kang, where there's just something where when things get tough, I feel like she's, she's got the type of game. Yeah. yeah, she's an athlete. She's a grinder. Yeah. I, I I dig it. Uh, Angel Yin kind of faded a little bit Saturday, but closed out strong. Mel Reed, a Saturday 77, yeah. like set her, like, uh, otherwise she'd have been in the hunt in this championship. Uh, Liam Pace. She did not stick around as we had, as we had hoped. Yeah, you sustainability get, models weren't, weren't. One more name you see, and then we got to move on here, bud. Uh, choose wise. Oh, there's, there's so many good ones. I know. There's, we got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, tough, tough day for Alexa Pano, T61, final round 78. She's someone who I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see what her career looks like. The, the straight from, you know, high school to, to Epson and LPGA tour. The, uh, Solly, Solly, if you'll allow me, tough, tough weekend for three of the rookies. Pano, as TC mentioned, Lucy Lee had a very tough weekend, 78-78. And Celine Borga. Went 74 75, which none of them surprising. You know, it, certainly Celine had never been in contention uh, at a major like this. But yeah, tough, tough weekend for the rookies. Hopefully they all learn from it. Well, the main event I want to turn it over to is it's time to let Randy Cook on uh, on Amsterdam because I think you have uh, maybe a, a thought or two about what has went down this past week. I. I do. Let me real. Let real me ask quick, you guys real quick. Yeah, DC, go ahead. Lydia Ko, same thing going on as Jin Young Ko, has won the won the Evian, won the Chevron or the A and A. Does she need to validate as well? I would totally agree with that. I'm just throwing it out it there. Could be it, it could be a Ko problem. It, it could be anybody last name Ko. It's on notice. Be on notice at the end of this year. Yeah. Or Corda. I like that. Co, I mean, Co, Co, Corda. Or Erda. <laughs> At least Nelly's won a real major. That's uh, yeah. that's that's the defense I'll put up there. Uh, All right, Randy. Yeah, coverage. You guys, you guys tell me if I'm off base. I just <laughs> I had an issue with a, a few things. A few things upset me. Um, the first thing that upset me was and if you listen to the Friday show, we're probably gonna repeat some of that, but not everyone listened to our, our cut show probably on Friday. I just want to get that disclaimer out there. But R- Randy, please cook. Well, the, the thing that upset me today was you have the final round of a major um on Peacock, which okay Peacock. on the surface. You know, what's what's the problem, Randy? Well, here's my problem, okay? They moved the tee times up even earlier today, which means less time that this tournament and the meat of the tournament is going to be on network television on NBC. So we're going to put everything on Peacock, which is a streaming service. You know, some people, if you have certain cable, you get it. Other people, you have to pay to, to access it. 
Um, in which, if I can consult the weatherman quickly here, TC, late June, what's what, what do you think? 40% chance, 30, 40% chance when you plan this event that there's going to be weather delay of some point? Especially like a, at Baltus Roll. We know yeah. the history at Baltus Roll. <laughs> But like not not an unforeseen weather delay, right? Like this is not no, a thing no. that is a rarity in golf of like moving tee times up because that's a, a fallback that they're going to have of well we move the tee times blah 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 you don't understand contracts blah 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 but please go ahead but also, I, I just want to set that up like this is not an, an a, a, a outrageous event that happened. Let me just just nut tap Peacock a little bit here too. <laughs> uh, it's one of the worst user interfaces of all time. Uh, that's actually gotten better. I I don't even. They got the collapsible window now. Shorter. They've got. They've gotten it closer. I would say I, that's not. That's not my beef. I'm sorry, TC. I actually have to stand up for him on that one. I'll stand up for the. Agree to disagree. Go ahead, Randy. Okay, so w- this is a women's major. Uh, I'd say one of like the three quote unquote real ones. Okay, it's it's got cachet. It's at Baltusrol. Like I said earlier in the show, you know, a lofty national historic landmark of a golf course. Uh, we have Rose Zhang in contention. Um, and it just, it, it struck me that NBC has, owns a property called Golf Channel, which they've shortened to golf, uppercase. Which, golf, which we all like pay they're yelling for. it at you. Which we all pay for through our various cable subscriptions anyway. Okay. Randy, there must have been something fantastic on Golf Channel to preempt this women's major. Major. You know, arguably Sunday. Sunday, final round major. Again, not like people out of it teeing off. They moved the tee times up, meaning, you know, we saw half of the leaders' rounds on Peacock before the weather delay. It would have been more than that had the weather delay not come around. So we're talking about essentially the, the front nine for the whole tournament is on Peacock. And I'm out of curiosity. I'm like, what's on Golf Channel? It's Golf Central pregame. <laughs> you know, you got Brandel in the studio, apparently trying to explain what aim point is. <laughs> I go, that's interesting. I wonder what's on NBC. Maybe it's, you know, one of their Sunday political shows. I, I look up what's on NBC. It's infomercials. <laughs> so the decision has been made. And, and granted, my frustration stems from, you know, you'll, you'll read about occasionally they bring together, you know, the leaders in golf and they'll do these summits where they kind of all just pat each other on the back. And, and part of that are certain NBC sports executives. Solly, your Aunt Molly, uh, TC, our guy, Mayor Pete Bavacqua going to South Bend. And, you know, they're so quick to congratulate themselves on what they're doing for the women's game. You know, we're, oh my God, we are, we are the leaders in elevating the women's game. And it just occurs to me, how could today, final round of one of your three best events on the calendar, how can that at least not go on Golf Channel? Like, I, I have people who are very casual golf fans. They know the name Rose Zhang, which, listen, for women's golf to have somebody that people know their name and for that person to conceivably be in the hunt uh, with a shot today, people are seeking that out. They want to know what it's all about. And it's it, Peacock is just such a barrier to get casual fans into the women's game, to show off the women's game, to show off what really is like the best of the women's game. Again, today at Baltusrol, the course was great. You know, it, it was it was a fine line between birdies and bogeys. It, it 
it just is such a missed opportunity. And I'm so sick of it in light of, you know, you, you'll hear people just bragging about what they're doing for the women's game. And, you know, we've almost doubled coverage this year. Well, yeah, most of that's on Peacock, though. And that, frankly, it kind of sucks. And and to not at least bump Golf Channel programming this morning for the final round of of a women's major, it just, I don't know, it just pisses me off. But, again, I might be off base. I'm curious if I'm crazy, if you guys feel similarly I, I don't know it's it's like all decisions that it seems like when it comes to nbc golf channel and that whole family is like like on a on a per like event like cold rational basis of like profit and loss for this event like no we're not putting another camera out there randy like no we're not adding another analyst out there no we're not having like multiple crews we can rotate in for all these coverage windows like no we're no, not, we're not like time <laughs> yeah no we're not going to actually like do no, why would we why would we we're doing the absolute bare minimum that we're required to do not barely even that sometimes and like that's what you're going to get because we've bought the rights we can do whatever we want with it why would we do more than the absolute bare minimum of that what and that's the part that frustrates me is the like the the hope i've lost that things are ever going to change like i i i kind of i remember looking at the future of of the major venues for the women's events and being like all right like we're gonna have some juice going on these things. Finally, like it's time. Like I, I know we've been kind of evangelizing this stuff for about five years now because we're genuinely intrigued by the ladies game. And like, man, we got one of the biggest audiences you could possibly that what, we have one of the biggest audiences in golf of any media company. And like, it's still hard to get people fired up for the women's game because a lot of the reason being like, they're just a bare minimum front of the office presentation of how to watch it. Like, honestly, I feel a little guilty, like pointing people towards it at times. Like I felt really dumb today tweeting out, like I assumed I made the assumption that the commercial free final hour would have been moved up because the tea times got moved up. And I sent people there because they tweeted out like the commercial free final hour is coming. I was like, okay, like everyone get to NBC now because it's finally the commercial load that destroys your soul is over. And it kept going. It just kept going. And they didn't start the commercial free part until the leaders were basically on 16, maybe even 17. And the final group, I think, was on 15 at that point. And I just feel like an idiot sometimes for like recommending this to people because golf is already hard enough to watch on TV. And then they just mail it in on the women's side. And I just don't see it getting any better as long as NBC has the rights. I, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, a few things to react to there. You know, some people tweeting me. Randy, there's no juice. You know, this is the final round of a major. There's no juice. And listen, were the crowds at Baltus are all great? Like, to my eyes and my ears, like, they weren't great. I, I, you know, we had Casey on the ground, and I think the storm caused a bit of a ma mass exodus. They actually flew in some of the members from LACC. Well. <laughs> yeah. Christ. So, so say what you so want about the members of LACC, but uh, they showed up for their event. The members of Baltus did not. So it starts a little bit there, you know, the crowds admittedly weren't great, which sucks. You know, I wish I had a way to fix that. Just not a ton of juice, but then it's just compounded Solly, to your point by what I sense is always, I, I'm trying to think when's the last time you've tuned into a women's broadcast and felt like real energy anywhere out of like the broadcast booth. And, and I, I hate kind of poking at Dan Hicks and I think Morgan Pressel is is good. Yeah, Morgan's Morgan's improved like drastically year over year. She's on her way. Yeah. 
like I, I like I, I like the people, but man, like you said, when Runin Yin has like an eight foot putt to win a major as a twenty year old, that's a big moment, and it just it it consistently when I watch the telecast, I just never quite feel like they make the moment as big as I think it should be and, and as big as it deserves to be. And that rubs me the wrong way. And then you just compound again, like I talk about, they just, no, I think you said, I think we got like a little intro essay package, maybe at one point at the start of NBC, but, but think about all the men's majors that they do and think about everything that's added around the broadcast to just elevate the the feel and the sense of like this is a big event and now think about like the lack of really all of that at a women's event right from you know setting up the most important shots of the tournament like you know how are you going to play this hole here are the factors at play here's what needs to be considered here's a close up of ruining yin's ball in the rough off of her drive on 18. There's just none of that. And so at the end of the day, like it's it's just such a obviously inferior product that that is being trotted out. And I just think it sucks because I'm of the belief that if an investment was made into the women's game and if and if at a minimum it was brought up to days like today, a final round major, if the presentation was on par with what we see for the men's majors, like it's, it's good golf. It's exciting golf. People will tune in. Like you can, I believe you can make money off of broadcasting women's golf. I just feel like NBC specifically is in this cycle where it's like, well, it's a shitty product. So not many people watch it. So therefore we're not going to invest in it. And it's, it's just this doom loop that they're in and it sucks. Like sometimes I feel like I feel like an idiot sometimes because I want to get people into the women's game, but I'm like, it's so damn hard sometimes to be a fan of women's golf and and it just sucks and it shouldn't be like that. And to your point, Randy, a point we've made many, many times over the years on this is like, all right, they don't hit it as far as the men, but that's pretty much where the compare, like the, the lack of comparison stop, right? It is 100% not about the talent level. Like that's not what, you know, like I, I candidly, I don't turn to turn on the WNBA. I don't, I don't watch the WNBA. Right. But I don't think it's does very well ratings wise. It's kind of subsidized by the NBA. I think a lot of, I can understand why people don't find that an appealing product. You're also not a big basketball guy though. I don't know. You're not tuning in for every single NBA game. Like that's, that's where the comparisons stop. And and I think we can always go back to like tennis and that's I think that's what I was getting to. If you'll let yeah. me finish, Cody, come on, let me cook. We let big cook here was well, like, I don't think the WNBA does great. I, I think it, you know, has this subsidy, but I look at like women's tennis and I'm like, the purse sizes are what, like uh, who, what's the winner? Uh, you pointed this out once, Randy, like the winner of the Australian open, gets like 5 million bucks or something on the women's side. Like they, the, the interest level and the marketing, it, it's a marketing thing with the interest level around women's tennis, despite the fact that a lot of the top men would beat the top women in the same sport, right? The same way it would work with, with golf. The interest level seems to be there. And I, I don't, I'm not an expert in marketing, but I don't understand why golf has made almost no progress on the women's front. I, I, I know it's not a talent issue yeah. because they've, they televised the little league world series. Like give me a 
fucking break. <laughs> okay, so, okay? Yeah. think about the investment they've made in the Little League World Series. To your point about tennis, when have you ever turned on a, a, a one of the Grand Slam broadcasts of a women's tennis match and and even noticed like one thing different than if it would be for a men's broadcast? They're the exact same. I think it's yeah. I don't think you can say that about that's golf. product. I, I absolutely don't think you can say that about right. Golf. And I think there's something too where like going back to product. I think in my mind, interesting stuff tends to happen in women's golf down the stretch, from time to time. Like there's more, there's more, like there there's more variables. There's more like not everything is completely optimized, right? Like you're gonna have weird shots. You're gonna have that Stephanie Meadow you know, skipper today. Like you're going to have like, and that to me is interesting. What like my most frustrating thing for me when I tune into a golf tournament, men's or women's is when I feel like the outcome is, is already figured out. Right. It's like, Oh yeah. Like clearly like he's, he's not going to make two doubles coming in. It was like Keegan today. Like there's nothing that Keegan's going to do with a four shot lead or whatever, where I feel like women's wise, there's, there's like, whether it was Hawaii this year or the, or both the LA events, like there's there's good finishes. I think the finishes are like really really interesting and they're topsy turvy and there's people moving all all around the leaderboard because it's it yeah it's not as optimized it's not as like there's there's more chance there's more you know like and it comes back to swing speed and you know that stuff is allowed to happen you know which is what brings like wondering I've been wondering this out loud all week is like do we have the distance thing totally backwards and that like, all right, the women's game is not ruined by distance at all. Like there is a ton of more variables, like you're mentioning TC yet. The interest level is way lower. And uh, like, there's a probably a million other factors and it can't be reduced to, to that specifically. But it, it's like, I, I don't think driving distance is the answer. That's not what I'm saying, but it, it's hard to like point and be like, all right, roll back the ball over here, guys, because it's going to make, it's going to make it more like the women's game. Well, it's like, well, man, like people aren't really paying attention here and it, it just sucks. I, I think on the crowd thing too, I tend to think that go into these major metropolitan areas for both men and women is like the wrong move. I think, especially in the women's game, like U.S. Women's Open is going to Lancaster next year. That's going to be awesome. Go into a completely underserved golf market in the Pacific Northwest next year with the KPMG going to Sahali, right? Like, find, like when the Solheim Cup was in Iowa, go into places that are starved for great professional golf, I think is, is something that they need to lean into just like they need to lean into going to places that are too short for the men, you know, to play at now. And that's, that's you, the golf fan speaking TC. And I agree with you. I think it comes down to like KPMG is putting up a massive check. Like, totally. yeah, they want to go where they can go host their clients. Right. They, the answer is almost always like totally. the money. That's, that's what's super like deflating. But, Cody. but, but like teacher, yeah. teacher, I have a yeah. question. I have a question real quick. Why the fuck does KPMG have to put up any money? Why? Up until in 2007, we want it, we always go back to tennis and comparing it. In 2007, the leading Grand Slam, so every Grand Slam on the tennis schedule said, we're going to have equal prize money for men and women. Why in the world does the KPM, why does KPMG have to put up money for a PGA championship? Where, where is the PGA of America in all this? Why is it not equal to the men's major? Where, like, you, the USGA has done amazing things with the US Women's Open, right? There's a huge purse there. And you're going to see it's going to be a completely different coverage package because of it. But, like, why? I, I guess what I'm saying for both the Women's Open Championship, 
the PGA Championship, the Women's PGA Championship, and the U.S. Open and the U.S. Women's Open. Like, why, why, why do the women have to go to a sponsor? They're forced to do it. I mean, USGA like, did that why too. Why is it to be fair with the pro or with for the sure. America thing? Yeah. But like, where, where I understand a lot of this right now falls on NBC because there's a ton of easy shit that they could do. Like, and props to Callaway and props to KPMG for buying this extra airtime. But there's normal routine things that make majors elevated outside of entry music and entry segments and essays and everything else like that. But like, why, where the fuck is live from? Even if it's not the normal life from crew, why send somebody have fucking Grant and Tom like sit there and do live from? Even if it's only thirty minutes and have the same thing on the on the back end of it, like do something to make it feel elevated. NBC. They tried to do that with like a Golf Central on location thing, and I'm not sure if it was just because of the weather, but like it looked like they were in a broom closet. I mean, it was it was it was shocking. On, that was on Thursday or Friday. I remember tuning in for that. It was kind of like where they put them during the players. <laughs> Baldur's Roll is one of the largest clubhouses I've ever been in yeah. in my life. Like, you're telling me that there's not a, a single spot that they could go? But that's the little thing. And I understand they did, like, an hour of Golf Central pregame and everything, and that's great. But, like, that's just another studio show that I can watch on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Like, do something to make it feel like that. Yeah. And I would say a lot of this goes back to the PGA of America, the USGA. Like, if if this is the route that we want to go and you want to talk about, like, how it's, you, you know, we're all in this together, then these, the large organizations need to step up and say, here we are. We're going to do this. It will be equal on both sides. And I understand, even if you go down and look at, like, professional tennis, there's a huge difference between normal tour stuff. And that's where the LPGA and the PGA tour and like their different sourcings come in. I understand that. But these are the like the major fucking golf championships where they're ran by the organizations that control all of golf. Like, why are we not holding their feet to the fire and asking them like, where, where the fuck is the equality at here guys? Where I, I'm sorry, but like Susie Whaley, you are the president of the PGA of America for Susie two Whaley. years. Yeah. And you, we want to talk about equality, and we're on board. We're we're the ones who are like, we're supporting this with you. We want to help. We will we'll volunteer our fucking services for this. But like, where is the change at? The the RNA like wasn't even involved in the women's open. It wasn't a major. Uh, yeah, a yeah. Like, <laughs> they said that sure. on the broadcast. Shout, I was shout like, out to what? <laughs> it's it's Cody. You're exactly right, uh, and I'm sure some people are like, oh, ratings, ratings, you know. It's circular. Cool. I, I'm sure that I'm sure the tennis grand slams. I'm I'm sure they negotiate on behalf of both events, and and that's you know they they build in the purses through their negotiation with both events. PJ of America, why can't you do that? USGA, why can't you do that? It, it just it, and yes, yeah, Solly, back to the point of like, well, nobody's ever really even tried to invest in women's golf, so we so we don't really even know, right? It's like, oh yeah, this like shitty ass product isn't the most popular <laughs> big shock there like what if we tried to do things a little differently quick one but cody real, yeah. real quick uh what do you think so 2014 u.s women's open was at pinehurst the week after the 2014 u.s men's open what do you think the rating difference was between 2013 u.s women's open and 2014 i just looked this up probably double like 92 percent higher drafting off yeah. the the pinehurst from the, the week before yeah, and they just yeah. like abandon all. Like, they just abandoned that. Like, well, my they, they thinking, did a great job promoting that too. I will say, 
Plus, I think I made ten grand that month or uh, that week for renting out my house. So, thank you for everything. Thank that you, was. Cody. Those congratulations. If, if I may, a little bit further, Cody, you said about like the the intro essays, and I mean, we're not even talking about the lack of streaming options, right? Like, there's no way I can go on to PGA or ESPN or LPGA or, or Peacock and watch like a feature group. 18 holes like I can at these other majors, right? They're, they're putting the whole broadcast on streaming, but they don't have a built-out streaming platform for feature groups, featured holes, you know, on the range. There's none of that. Even even the, the, the television coverage this week, you'll notice it's essentially feature groups, which if you go to the LPGA Instagram, they'll tell you what feature groups they are at the start of the week. They have just enough cameras to kind of cover, you know, four groups in the morning wave, four groups in the afternoon wave. And besides that, you're getting tower shots of a lot of people putting and a few approach shots. It's just such a scaled down, bare bones operation. It it, it just cannot be underlined or highlighted enough that the lack of investment taking place in the women's game. It's it's almost essentially a corn fairy tour broadcast. As we, I think we could go hours on this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say we've said what we we can, and we're gonna we're gonna move on from this. We have, sh- and I do. I just want to say Dan Hicks double clutching when he said uh, a f- uh, commercial free final uh, stanza instead of hour was just mm, chef's kiss. Uh, thank you for that, Randy. Uh, and waiting, guys- waiting until the the tournament is basically already already decided to do said, you know, commercial free. Which also is like bought, like they sold that. So Callaway bought that. Which shout out to Callaway for supporting that. The, listen, we're not supposed I to talk hope about they pro rated on here. But yeah, Callaway, but, right? But that's not like an NBC. Like you don't get to tell, you don't get to brag about that. Somebody paid for that. Like that, that's something you sold. So I, that's what I don't understand. It's like they're. I know we started with this, but they're patting themselves on their back for doing all this. But like they, they, it's not like they did anything. They they made money off of it. No, I I asked somebody in the know. I was like, why is there a coverage gap the first couple of days between Golf Channel and Peacock in in the afternoon? They say, well, every additional hour we're on costs a huge chunk of cash. So NBC, it's not an outlay of cash for NBC, and so it's a matter of if KPMG is willing to pony up more money to to buy more hours. And it's, shout out to all the people that will reply like, duh, it's a business, man. It's like, man, like. You you have some you have some rights here as a fan like you have a, you have a standing you have a standing here as a stakeholder to be like upset about the game kind of being held hostage right like I think it uh, I don't know it, it's you they know, suck at covering the game renounce the rights let other people try even, they, they announced commercial free and then they went back to commercial like that's <laughs> that to me sums it all up yeah uh, listen speaking of commercials you guys know Roback these guys <laughs> understand. <laughs> <laughs> they, these guys, they understand quality. I promise our final hour will be commercial free. Uh, there's only one stanza. way to describe <laughs> final stands will be commercial free. Only one way to describe Roback that is best fit, best feel. Uh, kicking off summer, it is the perfect time to load up on the best gear that we have. The performance polos are just different. I rocked it yesterday. My USA themed uh, uh, stars and stripes shirt that TC whooped my ass in in the uh, LACC film room. Still my favorite shirt that I have in my closet. I love it. Four-way stretch and moisture wicking fabric. They will get you through a warm summer day on the course. 
the performance hoodies. I can't even keep track of which ones I wear on the live show and which ones I don't. Of course, this is a rowback hoodie that you see here. This tan one is one of my favorites. Uh, I think you guys all have this. Is this the one you beat me in, TC? I shouldn't. I didn't even think about that. The tan I think this one is the, the is, tanimal yeah. one. Yeah. Um, they're they're the softest, stretchiest hoodies, and uh, I start almost. I start and end almost every day in a rowback hoodie. It's a little hot to wear them throughout the course of the day. Sally, check out this collar. It never wavers, does it? It's a a good call. (laughs) And lastly, the performance Q-zips are a game changer. Nothing beats rocking a rowback Q-zip for an early round of golf or an evening out on the town. You can use code NLU at rowback.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and more with code NLU. Summer is calling. Make sure to check them out now. TC, you had a little Sophie's Choice going on at the oh. Travelers uh, here today uh, with between Patrick Cantlay and Keegan Bradley uh, coming down the hunt. Who are you rooting for out of those two? I was rooting for Keegan. I mean, I, A, I was rooting for, like, the field uh, to, to rise up. But, I mean, Keegan, you know, he wasn't going to fritter that thing away. He's by far the lesser of two evils. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a Keegan guy. I, I can't sound like watching him. He gives me anxiety all of it take it all away that said like the people of new england show out for this event and it's a pretty big you know like travelers does a great job with it i like tpc river highlands it's a cool winner for them and you know there's no ifs ands or buts about it like i can i can you know put my put my objective hat on and say like all right like that's a that's a good winner you know uh and a much better winner than like cantley would have been this is way more rational than I was expecting. I did not see this coming. TC, have you gone soft on us here? I've gone woke. TC's woke. <laughs> so uh, I only have one question for you guys. Has Keegan unpacked that suitcase uh, from the 2012 Ryder Cup at Medina? I hope I hope he makes it on the Ryder Cup team because he's he's got to be a terrible course fit. For why, why do you say there, that? Right? Why do you say that? I don't know. I assume you like you're gonna have to hit fairways, and you know. I think it's just like good drivers will be a course fit there. I think okay. I, I might need to do a little write up on this. It's not again. It's not Le Golf National. It's not like strictly driving accuracy. Um, it is like driving distance and accuracy. It's like it's. Uh, it, I I need to dive into that a little bit more, but I don't think he'd be a bad course fit. But I also don't think his play is quite risen to the level of uh, deserving a spot on the team necessarily. He's seventh in the points now. I to- I'm totally down to like. Let's take stock of this as we get closer to it to see how this how this plays out. Because who's it, not, not making it at this point? Like mm. they got they're choosing between a lot of good options right now. But uh, like if you I, I don't know his numbers don't like scream it. It's not quite like the level of rise like that Wyndham Clark has had throwing. I, I again I throw out the wins like I don't care really what you won. It's how good of go- are you beating dudes on a consistent basis. Keegan's like he he is a candidate for one of the bottom spots I would say, but I it does not rise to the top of that with that performance this week because again the golf course they're going to play is very different than this one i mean it's all about rough and this was i don't know what the hell happened at river highlands this week but man it was just an all-out onslaught and uh it it was honestly tough to follow and watch tough to get hyped for just watching dudes sprint out that hard it's it's tough to square like that tv like just watching that on tv and having been to this tournament a couple times like i like this golf course I like yeah, that. I, like, I think I do too. It's it's like the anti TPC course. It's like a real. It's like an old classic golf course, and 
there's some really interesting, fun shots down the stretch. There's there's some stuff that probably needs to be touched up at this point, and they could probably add some yardage in spots. But it's just so depressing when you see like dudes hitting lob wedge into 18, which is like used to be one of the better finishing holes on tour. Um, you know, it, it just kind of dumbs things down a little bit. I, this felt a little bit to me, I forget what year it was, maybe like 2011, uh, the waste management. What was the year that Phil shot uh, 59 and a half, uh, lipped out, and he, mm. he went out and shot like 30 under par and won the tournament, and it was like, all right, yeah, time to redo this golf course. Like, time yeah. to time to change it up for a PGA Tour. But that's a little bit like what this year felt like. It's I like mean, Bank it was, Green's, you know, it's similar to like what Padraig said about LACC, right? Like, Bank Green's and... Smooth bent greens, guys are going to go a million under par because they're making every putt, you know, which credit to them. Um, but, you know, like it's it's also cool to see, like, I guess a leaderboard like that, there's all sorts of variety up there, right? You got there, it. Yeah, it, 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 this is the, this is the designated event for the mules because our boy Zach Blair <laughs> cashed a 1.8, 1.78 million dollar check for a T2 finish at this so week's Travelers. Much money. He needed 271 points or needs 271 points playing on the medical exemption uh, to wrap up his PGA Tour card. I think he got 245, I believe we've heard, for this T2 finish. But an enormous, enormous weekend for ZB. Uh, shot 68-62, uh, again, to make so much money. The comfort stations at the tree farm are going to be absolutely fire after this uh, cash, I would have to imagine. Man, can't it was so fun watching Cantlay just hand money back to, to <laughs> Zach, the last three holes, that three putt on it on 18, the bogey on I think 16. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, there, there's another 300k for Zach, there's another 400k for Zach. Delightful. Uh, hated it for it, uh, guys. I got a question Have we been saying Chez wrong the whole time? Is it Chez? Because that's what Faxon <laughs> calls it, and I think we might have been saying it wrong the whole time. Either he's saying it wrong or we've been saying it wrong the whole time. How about how about Chez going to uh, uh, the Cheesecake Factory. That broke watching, my heart a little bit. I thought he'd be a man, a man of more culture than that. But watch it, the video circulating on Twitter this week if you didn't see it. Thanks him, to the uh, trackers. Hit, yeah, the tracker was all over it. Watching <laughs> watching his own round on the replay while sitting at the bar at the Cheesecake Factory on Saturday night. But um, he had, had one too many cheesecakes there because he did not put up a good final round, unfortunately. 71. I think one of my favorite tidbits of this week was Andrew Putnam. Tied for 45th shot in the 60s every single day it's crazy it's tough is golf broken like, it's just crazy where you got like keegan scotty rory and then you've got like zb chez and brian Harmon. <laughs> like danny but, mccarthy up there too like the uh lee harvey oswald what got out ran out to a 60 65 on the first two days then finished finished Horribly shooting 70-67 to fall all the way back to uh, T7 after taking the 36-hole lead. It was I, tough. But I think we got it. Before we move on, yeah. we got a somebody that, that that cashed a big check, I think, is willing to to give us a few minutes of his time, if you'll allow it here, Randy. But I think we got him. Uh, looks like he's in transport right now. Mr. ZB, what are you going to do with your money, man? <laughs> Sucky. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're uh, we're trying to figure it out right now. <laughs> you, you, had, you had just an epic, uh, epic preparation for this week winged foot eastward ho um fishers fishers trifecta instead of playing practice rounds that's delightful tell us about that yeah i mean i used to kind of do it a little bit and then kind of got away from it and uh i, I played those 
you know, those three days and I, I, I messaged one of my friends and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to guarantee that I'm going to play good, but I'm really excited to play golf. I kind of stayed away from, you know, stayed away from the, the circus out there. And, uh, you know, it, it was fun to go play some cool places, fill the tank up for sure. What is it about TPC River Highlands that can make it so that like you and Rory are, are both contending for the same tight like there's so much variety on that leaderboard and, and you know you're one of the shorter players out there like what is it that that you think kind of brings everybody together i mean the course is pretty short uh especially you know this week it was playing fairly firm uh like the fairways were running out you know before it rained on friday night and kind of saturday it, it was getting pretty bouncy out there so you, you know probably taking driver out of some of their hands uh more often than not i think you know, they're probably not hitting drive one. They're probably not hitting it on two. Some of them hit it on three. They kind of blow it over the corner on four. You know, they're probably not hitting it on seven and nine and 11 and 12. And, you know, they don't hit it a lot. And, and I was hit driver a lot and I was hitting it good. So it's a nice little equalizer for sure. Zach, did you get that hat in the Fisher's Island Pro Shop this week? What's that logo up there? I did. I did. This is, uh, I, I, uh, I did purchase that. That's cool, man. What a thrill for you getting to play a couple of top one or a trio of top 100s. Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. You know, good weather, good golf courses, good people. Uh, again, got to stay away from the, the death march out there on, on Tuesday. It was crazy. We, uh, we had emailed somebody about going to play fishers on the, like Monday night and we were like, man, it's like, it's pretty late. We emailed the person like really late and we're like, maybe we'll see an email, uh, you know, back tomorrow morning early, never saw anything. And, uh, we're like, oh, well, let's just head out to the golf course, went out, hit a couple of putts, hit a couple of drives, walked over to the 10th tee. Justin Thomas was over there, pulled out my phone, got the email and we were like, yep, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we took off. CB, at, at, at what point at this event are you, does it hit you? Do, at what point does it happen early in the week or does it happen at some point today where you're like, oh shit, this is an elevated purse this week. Like, does that affect anything coming in down the stretch? You had to know, you had to be thinking a little bit about dollar bills on that back night. Eagle birdie birdie on this tear. You had to be thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like going into the week, not really, you know, you're just kind of trying to play good, obviously got off to a good start on uh, Thursday and Friday, which was fine. Then, you know, played fine on Saturday, but, you know, fell down the leaderboard a little bit, but got off to a really good start, you know, today, birdie, birdie on one and two. And it was kind of like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe we can get after it today. And then, then gave a few back, but uh, definitely, you know, like the, the Eagle on 13 birdie on 14, it was kind of like, all right, it's getting expensive you know, coming down the stretch and then on, uh, make the, make the birdie on 15 and 16. And it's kind of like, Hey, these are like million dollar putts coming in. You know, uh, if we can make one of these, I, I kind of felt like I, I saw where I was on the leaderboard and, uh, it got super lucky, obviously, you know, that that's people kind of, you know, screwed up coming in, uh, for me. And, uh, I, I knew on 17 and 18, I told my caddy, I was kind of like, yeah, these are like, if we could make one there, it's a million dollar pot. And uh, all the points are obviously big and everything like that. And at the same time, I was like, also like, 
please like don't three or four putt uh don't hit it in the water on 17 like don't plug it in the bunker on 18 it was all it was all kind of it was moving pretty fast but uh you know could steer the ship home so it was uh wish wish one more would have fallen but how much of a weight off your shoulders is it knowing like you're on a major medical kind of fighting back to form and takes pressure off of your summer and fall quite a bit i imagine yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to, you know, lock it up. I think solo second would have would have done it. But, uh, you know, in a position now at least to just go have a couple of solid weeks, hopefully go out to Detroit, take care of business. But I think it puts me in a spot where I can at least play out of the 126 to 150 throughout the rest of the year. So I, I can go kind of play out uh, as many events as I want. But at the same time, I started on like the – you know, at the start of this season. So I was kind of uh, running off this season's point totals yeah. too. So I've kind of got two different ones that are probably going to be fairly similar in, in terms of totals. But uh, yeah, again, it's a, it's obviously good when you're kind of entering the week, like in the one fifties or whatever I was. Well, keep it rolling, man. Yeah, like man. Detroit, it should be. It's, it's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's exciting seeing your name up there and seeing your little strut out on the golf course and uh <laughs> freaking designated event. It's tied for second is, is awesome. So we're, we're, we're stoked for you and congratulations. But we appreciate you calling in from, uh, you know, from deep under the Atlantic. Uh, and, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough connection, my man. So we're going to let you go, but we greatly appreciate it. Shout out to you and the Russian yeah. for a great week and hope to talk to you soon after a win. Yeah. Thank you guys. See ya. Shout out to Chez at the uh, cheesecake factory too. <laughs> shout out to the Foz eternal shout out to the Foz. <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. That's glad, glad he you called know, in. Here. You know what's hit me? It's a damn shame Blocky couldn't get a uh, sponsor's invite wow. to the Travelers. Can Blocky go deep, though? Can he take it low? He, he's kind of one of those guys. That just He's like Brooks. He likes the tough conditions. I feel like Blocky, Blocky needs to play Detroit. Like, if Blocky's not playing Rocket Mortgage, I don't know what we're doing up there. <laughs> yeah, what's, I mean, what's anything? Blocky would be just a conquering hero at the Rocket Mortgage, I would think. Couple other shout outs from this week. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Denny McCarthy shot 60, almost hold a shot for 59. Um, from the Ricky, grassy knoll, Ricky bounced off bounced the grassy knoll. The grassy knoll did, on the, did not get the help from the grassy knoll that he needed, uh, to finish the job. Uh, Ricky Fowler shot 60. Guys, I, I gotta admit, uh, is 59 done? Like, there's there's like no buzz like, online at all about like guys threatening to break 60 anymore is it over like is it over do we do we care about that number anymore it's definitely no. been it's over cheapened. and i don't care yeah <laughs> I, I think uh you know jim Furyk shooting 58 at this event and playing pretty mediocre like the last six you know, holes the back nine <laughs> the last six holes 100 to shoot 58 <laughs> it's a it's horrible about, 58 it's about the worst he could have shot if you think about <laughs> it could. It was 11 under through 12 at this golf course. I mean, uh, what's the par out there this weekend? 66, 67. I mean, 15 is a par three, right? It's a one shotter for essentially everyone. Uh, 13 is a 530 yard par five. That's not a par five for these guys anymore. Everyone hits it basically in two now. Um, what is par anymore? I don't know. Like this, this tournament. And I don't know if it's maybe just a little bit of fatigue coming off a major, um, in straight into a designated event. And I don't know if the designated event tag kind of has worn off rather quickly. Like I, for me personally, like learning that it's an unsustainable model has me way less excited about watching the actual event. Like I kind of thought and was like hopeful that this would maybe be the future of the tour is like, 
you know, getting the stars together would be what kind of drives these things and whatnot. And like, I, it feels like whatever make balloon believe, uh, make believe balloon I had floating after the last few like, successful ones has been popped by this whole like, oh yeah, we were bleeding money and could never sustain that. It, they've it kinda, done it hurt. They've done nothing to differentiate them either. Like, no. you know, which which is tough. I mean, yeah, it's cool to see like Rory playing travelers, right? Like Rory played well or you know, to see JT and Hideki and Ricky and like, you know, like I, I do think it's it's cool and impactful for long time, like this is the GHO, right? Like long time solid positive tournaments on the PGA Tour to get an infusion of big time field, but again the sponsor is paying out the ass for that. To, Solly, to answer your question, didn't move the needle for me hardly at all. Um, I'm I'm really curious if if a week like this week, you know, I think you had asked, is golf broken before ZB called in? And I think it's just all a matter of perspective. And I truly don't know if you if you could sample the greater golf fandom. Like, do people like a, a week like this where it's just ears back, make as many birdies as you can? You know, is that fun? Because it's not really that enjoyable for me. But I, I do recognize I certainly I could be in the minority. I, I don't know. I'd like to hear from the people that are that are here in the live chat. Like, but did do you like that? Right? Do you like with the pinback birdies? You know, approach. Um, I I don't necessarily. I did, I did not particularly enjoy watching this week. Didn't feel the need to get to a TV for a lot of it. It helped. I mean, Keegan had such a. I mean, Keegan and Chez kind of lifting and separating after Saturday didn't didn't help the situation. I think probably a lot of people are just burned out in general. Um, it's June 25th. Yeah, right? people are like, doing other stuff. Like, it's just tough to like, it's tough once the majors start to pretend like the designated events are a big deal, right? And again, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the points, whatever it is. It's just like, dude, does it, do I, do I feel the need to rush to a TV? I, fe- I felt that in the run-up to the Masters. I really did. I thought those events, like, Riv was incredible. I thought waste management was great. Bay Hill delivered. Uh, players was kind of down this year, but I just felt like it it worked a lot. And man, I just I don't know. I I kind of threw some stuff at you guys in the chat today. Of uh, I've recently gotten pretty reinvested in baseball after some time of like being driven away from it pretty hard. Amazing and, what some winning will do for you. <laughs> well, but like it's amazing what changes to the rules have done for what it feels like to watch a game now. Like the pitch clock is legitimately fantastic. Like I can sit through a game. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time watching dudes step off and watching minutes in between pitches. It just, it was really hard to justify watching baseball when it was going to take that long. And the style of play had changed a lot and the shift was kind of ruining things and like all this stuff that like non-technology related stuff that really affected the way baseball was played and made it a worse product got changed this year. Like they, they made some, and maybe it took, took a really long time, but through some rule changes, the excitement of a ball in play is back in baseball. And I equate that to like the ball being on the ground or like where the, the parts that make golf interesting have been eviscerated by technology or, or the ball or the ball curving. Yeah. So take, if you don't want to hear the technology debate, I'll take that part out for right let's now Fix something right? and just say like, let's assume it's all human progress that has led to these advances in how golf is played. Let's assume the track man and all of the data related stuff, all the analytics, all the science behind how to hit it farther, all the gym stuff, all of that 
that has led to distance gains. And I think technology has had a tremendous impact on that as well. But put all that aside for a second to say, like, I don't care anymore if it is about the equipment. Like, something needs to change. Like, if the ball is going to go that far, even if it's human progress, it needs to change for the product to be interesting. And, like, the baseball product has completely changed. And golf is, like, heading the wrong direction and has been for, like, 20 years. And there's no sign of any of it. I mean, I guess there's a sign now that a proposed model local rule, but PGA Tour is basically middle fingering that. And it dawned on me this week, it's like, if anyone that could benefit more from a model local rule, it's the PGA Tour more than the majors. They go to more places. They have more places like River Highlands that are 6,800 yards and 7,200 yards that don't have the options to go back. And uh, I don't know. It just kind of clicked for me this week of like being reinvigorated, a sport that I really used to love watching and faded from for a lot of reasons is kind of back thanks to some rule changes that have made it way more tolerable. And uh, I, I don't know, it's taken me a long time to make that that comp to golf. But Randy, I'm curious your reaction to that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's valid. I, I think hand in hand with that is the the rule changes in baseball, as is being evidenced by our beloved Cincinnati Reds. It, it just, it, it shows off the talent and skill of the players a lot better than what was happening for the last decade plus in baseball. And I think the the comments, I, I think, I think the majority of people are kind of like, yeah, this week doesn't do much for me at all. Um, I realize this is a small sample size, but just for me personally, watching PGA tour golf week to week, you know, not taking out the majors. It's just, I, I don't know who is truly good at what like i i feel like golf has has narrowed the the variance of like skill and is everybody like when everybody's a good driver nobody's a good driver and that's just very boring i guess to watch it's not enticing it's not enthralling and so i think that's where for me golf finds itself a little bit i i don't think the product does as good a job as it should uh, highlighting and showcasing the absolute skill of its players. And then, you know, the pace of play, the time of it, I, I think that's a real consideration as well. I would be all for trying some type of shot clock or some type of mechanism in which to speed up play and make guys make decisions faster or make shots under more uncertainty. Like if the wind's up, you know, I, I when we're talking PGA Tour golf, I just think, it's a little bit needed week to week to hold my attention. I think face collapse. <laughs> Too, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, Peter Costas' li- suggestion. Limited swings with the driver. And, you know, you, you got you to gotta put that into your models. You got to put that in. It's just like the margins are so thin, right? And it's, it's, it just feels like it, yeah, like a week like this just evolves into a putting contest, right? And whoever makes the most 15 to 20 footers has a shot to win, you know, mm-hmm. and it, everything else gets kind of squeezed out in that equation. I mean, so. Again, so it, we've gotten to the part of pro golf where the, the, the companies are no longer telling us like, Oh, it's, it's di- the distance gains year to year are, are not happening anymore. Right. It's not, it's becoming harder and harder to convince people on that yet. We it's become a self-selecting cycle of like it, it now, you know, when there was 10 long drivers in 2012, now there, there was, you know, there was 20 in 2018 and now there's 40 or whatever you want to call whatever the cutoff is. But like it has grown to the, like the, the average ball speed on the PGA tour in 2011 was 166.81. 
And this year on the PGA Tour, it's the highest it's ever been, shockingly, 173.04. That's a massive leap. That is an enormous, enormous leap just in ball speed in the last 12 years. When post-Pro V1, post-460cc drivers, like it is going to become a, a bomber's game more and more and more in the future, even with no more technology changes. And like the end result is if you didn't like this, what you saw this week, and you're anti-rollback, like I don't know what, how you net out there at this point. I really don't. They go hand in hand. Do you like? I know the I know baseballs use the minors to test stuff out. Hmm. Do you do that hmm. with you know McKenzie Tour or Corn Ferry Tour or Latino America? That's they should. Really hard. That's really hard. Oh, That's I know. really hard to be like you guys play a different equipment. Yeah. Then the, we'll play that. That you're going to be judged on when you make it to the big leagues. That's that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one. It's I mean baseball. It's the, the comps are not perfect, right? Like you you baseball is played with one ball, and it's the same game at each level. And like the the product is watching the that one ball. It's all, the ball's different this year in Double A. They have a much tackier ball. Like they they the equipment is not uniform throughout the the minor leagues of baseball. But what we we it's worth acknowledging like the situation's very different in when it comes to golf, right? Like there's different well, golf ball offerings I, and it's yeah. the stakeholders I, I, have a say here, but whether or not we like want that to rule out is, sure. is ignoring the obvious that they have. If a I were the PJ tour though, I would look at, uh, what is it? The Canadian tour? Is that the McKenzie? Are they the same yeah. thing? McKenzie tour, now it's, you know, America are like the same thing. Now, too. now they're PJ tour Americas. I think it is. Yeah. Now, yeah. That's the type of tour I would absolutely identify to try some of this stuff out and it's like guys might complain and i think my response to them would be tough shit like you want you want to play on the pga tour play better but for the overall sake of the game we need to we need to test some of this stuff because otherwise it's all just it's always just going to be theoretical yeah i mean college, college baseball they use aluminum bats right they use metal bats like I I guess I'm I'm already defeated by the fact that like the tour doesn't even want this rollback, right? Like there's no way they could ever will. Well, that's the funny thing about the tour is like the tour wants to talk product, product, product. All that means is like packaging and money, right? The actual prod, like actual on course product, the tour doesn't give a fuck about having that conversation. Everything's all extremely short term. Fleeing for a rival league, the ratings, you, you can't make a ratings argument that that week-to-week PGA Tour golf is, like, excellent. There's, I don't know what you can really point to to be like, this This sport is super healthy, which all my baseball went through, right? Baseball resisted this for a, a, a pretty decent amount of time. But you had fans saying, guys, this is broken. This isn't fun. This isn't good. And And slowly, to their credit, baseball, you know, starts testing some of this stuff. And lo and behold, what what they find through testing, they implement some of the things that they think are going to be positive rule changes. And now here we are with a product that literally, by and large, everybody I've talked to, like, baseball's so much better. Baseball's so much better. And we need to get the schlong and Cameron Young to, to, to bring Manfred <laughs> to the table. <laughs> Deliver the commission. And I think if 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 golf if golf just refuses to even do some of that stuff, I think it just goes back to some of this myopic like it's it's what we've seen through the whole live stuff like they just refuse to get out in front of stuff they are so reactionary no vision no planning for the future it's just everything is just meeting short-term goals and they're 
just in a web of shit now. And that's not even talking about all the other stuff going on that. But, but, yeah. Anyways, move on a little bit. TC, I'll let you cook a little bit here as we uh, <laughs> acknowledge a few performances down the leaderboard here. Scotty Scheffler. Uh, what, number two overall in ball striking this week? Yeah, he was off a little bit this week with the ball striking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's going on there? Let's- I don't know. It's Will he make it to Rome is the question, I think. Uh, I don't think his spot is safe because he fell all the way to – all the way to sixth in strokes gain approach this week and 15th off the tee. So um, he putted Keep pretty neutral that. this week, 42nd in putting, uh, close to neutral, but of course, another top five finish for Sky Uh The thing Porter's been tracking, uh, Scheffler's lost to 63 golfers total in tournaments so far this year. And he may be, he may not lose to 100 golfers total in golf tournaments this year. That's insane. <laughs> it's That's without wild. putting well, without putting well. That's a recipe for madness, though, too. It's, yeah. It really is. That's a great um, call. Uh, Minwoo Lee, T9, just wanted to shout that out. JT, it's JT. Signs of life there, 62 in the third round for him. It's signs that maybe maybe it's not a health issue, which I don't know what to make of last week then. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think we as uh, public and media and fans can tend to overreact when scores are that bad. Uh, to say like it's it's irreversibly broken. JT didn't seem overly heartbroken by it all or overly flustered. And uh, I, I don't know. I go back to Horschel's interview he did after shooting 84. Just being like, dude, I'm not that far off. Like I'm really not. I know that may not seem like it, but uh, he he's reached back and found something pretty quickly. I don't know if it says something to the setup and does it identify the best play and would he have gotten uh, kind of ejected more on a on a tougher setup. I don't know the answer to that, but he moves up to 66th in the FedEx Cup, which is kind of crazy to say at this point in the season. But um, medium dig Rick T13 shot uh, shot 60 in the third round. Uh, that's I think that's news to me. I was aware that he shot 60. I I, lear- I have learned you guys yesterday because he was at a chip for 59. And no one was talking about it. I was like, man, this really might be dead. Uh, I want to shout out Carson Young, T15, continues to play good golf. Uh, who else? Eric Cole. Eric Cole continuing to shot 73 on Saturday, but otherwise 64, 65, 65 the other three days. Eric Cole taking over for, uh, who did I say was the hottest golfer? One of the hottest golfers in the world. Is it Ryan Gerard? Is that what it was? Ryan Gerard. Yeah. Eric Cole is now the, now one of the hottest golfers in the world, uh, anywhere. So, uh, Chesson Hadley moves up to 154th. Hopefully, he 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 felt recognized and rewarded for his loyalty uh, <laughs> with this purse. Um, Austin Eckrote played well. T24, another guy at T24, Ludwig Aberg. Um, Ludwig, listen, T24. I think we saw his floor this week, guys. He yeah. bogeyed his. You know, he had a tough start to the week. Um, you know, shot 65, 65 on Friday and Saturday he didn't like, I don't know. It was, it was strange. He didn't really hit his irons all that well. He lost three, almost three and a half shots to the field approaching the green. Uh, he was third in strokes gained off the tee fourth in strokes gained around the green. Sally, I know, I know you, you know, you put stock in both of those numbers, putted pretty well. Um, but just, you know, overall, I think Ludwig, I think he's figured out how to chip. Uh, I'm told that he shallowed out his, his attack on his chips. Uh, again, we're, we're bummed that we didn't get the top 10. We're bummed that we didn't get the win this week. I think the win's coming. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it next week in Detroit. He's in the field. Um, but you know, like the, the, the floor is so high guys. What, any so comment, high. any comment on the white belt? 
Uh, he's Swedish. Okay. You know, it's going to happen from time to time. Okay. For the Swedes. Uh, I thought, you know, and we're not even mentioning here. A bunch of people sent me videos of him playing with Sam Bennett Thursday, Friday. Bennett waggled like 14 times in a row. Mm. I mean, just really like depraved shit. They put the so, cooler on him. That was that was pretty gutless from the tour. I think pairing those two together. Um, can, see, I, can, we, can we call a truce on Ludwig? Uh, <laughs> I, I, nothing but the nicest things to say about him ever. And uh, I, I'm getting bullied in our Slack when he for every good shot that he hits. And I just <laughs> would like to declare my support for Ludwig in his career. I'm very excited about him. I want to be excited about him. You are making me root against him, and I just want to—I want to call off whatever beef we have over Ludwig, and just—I want to call for a truce here. Do you, do you apologize for calling him old? I don't. He's really old. Uh, I don't want to. I don't apologize at all. Do you but apologize I, for fluffing Tom Kim? Uh, mm. Absolutely not. And I don't, know what, Tom, to, I don't uh, know what Tom Kim has to do with this. We at might all. be at an impasse then. <laughs> I don't know what he has to do with this. Like the Wagner group. And, uh, Ludwig is an incredible maybe. talent. I'm yeah. excited that he's, I like the path to the PGA tour through PGA tour. You, I like the immediate, like, I agree with you that this wasn't even a special week for him. And he finishes T24 and I just, I want to be able to enjoy it. And I, I don't want you, you, you don't want, you don't want that either. You want, you don't want to deprive me of the joy of rooting for Ludwig. So I just will ask that we get to that right here right now it's us against the world baby you know uh no i, I truce sorry thank truce. you we can, mm, we can, that's big that's, that's thank you you know you're a gentleman thank you um speaking of pga tour you ricky ricky castillo uh t11 again this week uh just backed up his his win from last week he's playing quite well on the corn ferry tour anything else on the leaderboard I was say Roy made an ace. I feel like that's worth noting his first ace on the PGA tour. He finished a tie for seven, hit a 380 something yard drive off the 18th hole today on a non-firm golf course. So um, that was, that was cool as well, but uh, it, it's almost makes me upset to see Roy play well the week after a major. Go ahead, Randy. Yeah. Oh no. Code man, bring that leaderboard back up for me. If you can, sorry, I'm putting you on the spot here and uh, just, just pick a guy, maybe Kevin Tway, just, just a, drive home something that we talked about Friday night. Kevin, Kevin Tway. Tway. Yeah. Gaines. Is he the swole monkey or whatever? The Gaines with Gaines. a Z. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gaines. And then click on stats for the people listening on the podcast. This is just the PGA tour site. It's incredible. I can go in. Uh, I can go in on any player. I can click on their stats and I can see their strokes gain performance for every round this week. This is a designated event, but I could do this for any event throughout the year on the PGA Tour. And just to kind of loop back to what we're talking about with the women's game, their major championship this week, there's no stats package like this for, for fans. Uh, KPMG, again, to their credit, is trying. They've instituted kind of their performance insights portal, which gets updated after the week. But to get granular stats on the women's game is impossible. Um, but I do want to shout out at the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble for the first time they're going to have shot link all across the course on every player. So we will get stats packages like this. But when we talk about the disparities between the two tours and just what what are the little things that make the men's game a lot more approachable, interesting to talk about, think about, discuss, et cetera, et cetera. It's just stuff like this. So thank you, Cody. Andy, That's all I have. I seed my time, Chef. You should thank the volunteers as well. 
that, that make that. Who are the ones out there yeah. doing it? Oh, <laughs> we got to shout out the volunteer that picked up Leona McGuire's uh, tea mark. Like w- during the rain delay, she marked her ball with a tea and a uh, volunteer just said, oh, I'll pick these up and picked up. And she didn't know where to put her ball back. And, and we got to <laughs> shout out fake Seth Waugh as well. well fake Seth Waugh, the rules official was on the first tee today as well. So. Uh, any concerns about the pro guys? Mm, not yet. No. Don't okay. you think he's exhausted? I yes, he's like a you know has young he's kid at home. Father, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not concerned. We're monitoring, but we're not concerned yet. Of course. Morikawa right? missed the cut. John Rahm missed the cut this week as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's dude. This was a tough one uh, after all the shit that's gone on in the last month. Coming off the West Coast U.S. Open, flying to this for a designated event. Yeah. Um, I think. Any 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 weak performances this week? I think were understood or understandable. I think if you will. gentlemen, yeah, this was the thirteenth designated event of the year. This is the final designated event of the regular season. How do we think that they've been so far? It's like pretty uninspired. I hand up. I literally would have said, Randy, how many designated events have been played thus far? I've been like, I don't know, six. Well, so I think you're counting majors in the players, right? I am. Yep. Right. Yeah. So Seven, oh, okay, seventeen yeah. total. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the PGA Tour year is almost. Uh, we're almost done with golf. I think they're overall a positive. I think it's still better than what was before. Right. I still just have a harder time like getting up for it, knowing like, hey, this was never sustainable. This is like it. I don't. It's hard to like see them just throw everything up in the air and uh, you know whatever the hell is going on with the Saudis, which I don't think any of us really know what's going on. Like it, the, it, everything just feels like um, how do how do I say it? Like they're just like they're just running in place until we find out what the future of golf looks like. I, I I've lost enthusiasm for this season, which has been a really good season, a really good Scotty Rum like duel. Like I actually for once like think I kind of care about who wins the title at the end of the year. I. I I don't even want to say wins a FedEx Cup because I don't actually care about that. But I want to know who emerges as the champion between those two by the end of the year. And I feel like I've gotten just cold water thrown on it by the last several weeks. I don't know if you guys feel that at all. I feel that too. I think it's really tough to do these designated events the week after a major. Yeah. Like that's, you know, Heritage felt flat. Um, And I love it. Like, and like, I like that they're going to some courses that are, there's a little bit of variety there. And they're not just these massive ballparks that they usually have you know, the WGCs on or, or playoff events on and all that. Like there's, there's some, there's some quirk and stuff there. I, I like that, but man, it's just, it's really tough to like, all right, this, this event's important this week because you're telling me it's important this week. And there's this arbitrary purse and all that. And everybody's just kind of got a hangover from the week prior. That's, that's where I am. I, I think designated events work in, the winter, the West Coast swing, the lead up to the majors and put them later in the fall. But it just to me, they don't really work as much around the major championships because the majors just take up so much oxygen and attention. For me, I'd look to how to how to capitalize a little bit on the fall season, but that like the January through March should be like sweepstakes time. Yeah, like the tour owns that and kind of, yeah, you know, try to abdicate a little bit in the summer. I want to get your thoughts on this, Cody, but this kind of dawned on me relatively recently. I'm like, why do I feel like the memorial is losing some steam? And I, I, the more I think about it, the move made in 2019 to move the PGA to May and move the P, uh, the players back up to March, 
Like that stretch from Masters to U.S. Open, I feel like was way better on the PGA Tour than it is now, right? And that now the majors are so way tighter, you know, and ending in July, it seems like it's really hard to get up for anything in between those, right? When there actually was a little room to run between the Masters and the U.S. Open, and then a tight run between, you know, the summer months and kind of going later into the summer. I don't know. It just is hard to it's harder to get up for regular events in the new major layout. I've I've found it took me a while to kind of realize that, but uh, it really I see the engagement on our social media die down on the on these events as they go on, and I'm really starting to feel that in in recent weeks. Cody, what are your thoughts? Yeah, completely agree. I think that moving that stuff around is not only hampered overall fan enjoyment, but I think some of these tournaments themselves, like. The memorial was the memorial because it was like that big May event, you know, and then if we look at things, you know, how it's been the last three years, but even this year, if we look at the calendar, so they're telling us from the masters that we need to get hyped for RBC heritage. We need to get hyped for Wells Fargo. Then we get to the memorial and then memorial turnaround is, you know, a week off. And then we go into us open and now travelers. Like, it's just a lot that you're telling fans, like, this is really important. And I don't know, like, I don't think that's worked. I, I think the last, like, elevated event that I think has has stuck out in my mind really is, like, the Genesis. And I think that would probably fit into whatever the legacy events that they're going to move forward calling them anyway. Um, like, API didn't feel any different to me. I can't even really remember, like, the most fun API I remember is, is like, Bryson hitting, like, big balls. You know, I... I, I Outside of the fact that I know that like Kurt Kitayama came out of nowhere and won it this year, I, I don't remember anything else about it. I don't think it's worked. They started petering off for me at Wells Fargo. That was kind of where it was like, yeah, that's post Masters, right. right? Like yeah. everything yeah. leading up to the Masters, I feel like I do feel like it worked. The ratings were up. It was just like a, it, it's a simple formula, right? Like you're more likely to get a bigger name winner if you have more bigger names in there, and we got a lot of them. Kitayama was kind of a good, I don't know, it was a good surprise one in terms of like, dude, I mean we don't want to see Max Verstappen win every week, like what's happening in formula one right now. Like you want to have a little bit of variety and you want to at least have the hope that the mules can, can and he, I'd say he's above a mule, but you want to have some hope that the mules can do something. But yeah, as the majors hit, it's just, it's way harder to get hyped about the PJ tour and it's Detroit week. And this, it's going to be a tough scene. Probably, probably this week. Um, I would, I would have to, I would have to imagine. Did you guys see the the Eamon Lynch article on uh, column on Patrick Cantlay on P? I did. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, I, God, I thought it was just a great like. I the first two graphs, I was kind of like shake. It was kind of an Alonzo morning gif. They were like, you know, first two graphs. It's kind of it's tough to feign any sort of pity or. Can you set us up? What what's 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 going on here? So Eamon basically lays it out, and he's like, yeah, like. Monahan, like, like, why would he rush back to this job when you've got people like Patrick Cantlay basically trying to stage a coup and trying to, you know, undo this deal or undo other deals, but not not because of any any moral or ethical, uh, you know, pushback on it. It's simply because Patrick Cantlay thinks that he's he's worth tens of millions of dollars, and people are lining up to watch him in golf tournaments. And I mean, Eamon had some absolute fucking zingers in there at Patrick. It was great. Like just, just an artless, you know, just, I mean, shit on his business acumen because he's like, yeah, like he thinks he could be a partner at Goldman because he's got Goldman on his hat kind of thing. Or 
Um, so yeah, basically Amy was just saying how broken this model is that like a rational market isn't valuing going back to what we were talking about on the designated events, a rational market oh, yeah. isn't valuing these guys as they're valuing themselves. And oh, I think Cantlay is the poster child for that. Uh, it probably will forever change the path of professional golf. Like having somebody come in and total like markets work in a very efficient way. Like <laughs> forever, the PGA tour was about how much money you brought in and how they got distributed to the players. And then all of a sudden it, it's totally flipped on its head by something that doesn't make any actual sense from a dollars and cents standpoint. And it has me like fearful of like truly like the, the whole structure of pro golf could fall apart in the next couple of months years and it's feeling more and more likely that's going to happen than it is like this deal going through to me at this point yeah and it's basically like he said you know multiple sources say can't let his romance live for some time including while being a sitting member of the tours policy board all all while maintaining a gymnast balance as a fence sitter in public basically saying that can't let wanted to you know there 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 is a market out there right now because there's two competing parties for his services and he's trying to extract the most value as he can out of the PJ tour. And if live goes away, you know, doesn't have that, but it's, it's just, I mean, Patrick can't to me. Like he represents everything that is wrong with sports in the 21st century. Just, just an absolute chud. Yeah. No sympathy for me, for Patrick. I, I Sean, we had gone back a little bit. I, I, I think the thing about the aim and peace that just caught me a little, off guard or kind of scratching my head was one. It seemed pretty sympathetic to Jay, which listen, Jay is a human. I hope he's dealing with whatever happened and, you know, tending to his own health, but Jay is like a leader and a CEO of the PGA tour. Like I didn't think it necessarily deserved any sympathy that way. And then I thought he was kind of just brushing aside the fact that, like nobody knows anything about what this deal actually is. And so I, I I just, I could never be upset at a player for, I don't know, like coup is strong words, but if I don't know what's in this deal and, and the tour hasn't like worked with me at all. And I, I don't blame guys for being suspicious or seeking outside counsel, which I thought Eamon just kind of brushed aside a little too conveniently for my taste. And I, I was, I was kind of like hoping for, hey, here is the coup that is being discussed here. Like, well, I kind of glances past that. I don't feel like that was really reported this week. That like Patrick Cantley is staging a coup of some kind, and maybe I, maybe I missed that. Um, I, there, honestly, I, I'm, I'm hesitant, especially hesitant to do, do this part of the show live, and I'm hesitant to like comment on anything this week because, and in recent weeks because I feel like all of us and players included. And I, I don't mean to say us as in players, but like all of us sitting here plus the players don't know what the fuck is going on or there's something going on that has been kept very secret, right? Like we're trying to dig in on a bunch of different things, not really gaining much traction, but uh, I have a ton of outstanding questions that are so high level that it's really hard to dig into any serious details. Like how does this get approved by the players? When does that happen? Like something happened with the board vote that was supposed to happen on the 27th of June. Multiple sources had mentioned that to us. That got quietly changed, I would imagine, because there's just no details to vote on at this point. I imagine Jay's health may have changed some of that, but how does this get past DOJ? 
Jay and uh, or someone from the PGA Tour will be going to Congress on July 11th for an open hearing with Stolen Valor Richard Blumenthal uh, on this. Richard Blumenthal has summoned them for that. What is that spectacle going to look like? What is that? Uh, there's a whole level of geopolitics of uh, somebody's going to have to green light this at the at the government level for a reason that I can't fully explain yet for this to go through from an antitrust perspective. And then there's a great article in the Washington post this week about all of the other leagues, how they have gone away from their nonprofits and how they've gone into, you know, how they've gotten antitrust exemptions and things like that. And I, it doesn't feel pending or eminent uh, on the PGA tour side. And I, I don't understand enough about that world to present any kind of story to the audience on that. It's just fucking confusing. But also, on another note, like the, the lawsuits just evaporated. They went away. Which, yeah, now that that happened, right? So the lawsuits are dropped without prejudice. It feels like we're at an entirely different negotiating table now. And without prejudice means they can't, as I understand it, they can't get picked back up. Even if this deal doesn't go through, Liv can't now sue the PGA Tour, which like doesn't, I I, I can't even tell who that benefits. Like I don't have the game theory here to, uh, to like comment on this. It to believe that there's got to be some sort of breakup fee in there or... Because otherwise, it's like, yeah, like why? Would, I mean, I guess, I guess the Saudis got what they wanted with the, you know, Jay and Yasser sitting on CNBC next to one another, and that's the tacit approval that they wanted, just you know, from a visibility perspective. But at some point, it's like you, know, you look at that, and then you kind of play it out. And if this looks as unlikely to follow through on so many different levels, then like, yeah, you kind of can't blame the tour for doing the job, you know, like doing the deal. If, if it got rid of the, the pending litigation and there's no, there's seemingly not that much downside risk. I said without prejudice, it's with prejudice, which means yes. it can't be picked up apologies. But um, like, but that's where I'm like, is the tour capable of playing chess? And I know that's every inkling I had says no. Maybe Hurley, he and Don are, but like, I, 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 I don't know. I just like the lack of info forthcoming on, anything you know whether it's jay or the timeline for this stuff or the like internal communications at the tour like like they're they're leaving their their tour employees dangling in the wind they have no idea what's going on which again like smartest like level that it possibly could be would be again i'm just like left to speculate on all of this stuff would be like hey guys like we're gonna we're, we'll take barrel fire barrel fire for now we know it's not going to go through but we'll be in a more advantageous situation when it doesn't go through. And I'm fine to take the barrel fire in the meantime. And I'm, we can't say that part out loud to you guys, but that's like best case scenario, I think for them at this point. But again, then, so like what happened, like it sounds like this is going to take a while, no matter what. Right. So it, when we initially, when all this stuff came out, I think we were, I, I don't think we emphasized it enough yet. I think we were one of the leaders in saying like, Hey, we're early in this. This is not a done deal. I think a lot of people thought it was a done deal when they went out on CNBC and said, this is we're merging operations here. And it sounded like it was done. That was what the big shock to all of us was, was like, how do you even get it through player approval when they don't know about it, all this stuff. But it's, if it's going to take a while, that means it sounds like live is going to continue into 2024, which I did not think that on June 6th, it sounded like live was over. Cause I think I had assumed this thing was going to be fast tracked a lot faster than it will be. Absolutely. And that's like, what does cat think? How have we not heard a word from tiger on any, I mean, I guess again, if you don't know any details, what's the benefit in speaking out on it? Although but, like, I don't know at some point, like is tiger just rolling in his eyes at these guys, like a can't lay or 
they're like, Hey, like, like I left you this shit. Like you've said this before. So like, I left you this and like, this is what you did with it. <laughs> There's a great, and I'm sorry he got canceled and Louis CK bit about, um, like God coming back to, to the world after seeing like what we've done with it. And it's like, what the fuck did you guys do with this place? Huh? Like what, what do you, what do you, I want, like I, I needed oil. Like what the fuck do you need oil for? Like I gave you food in the ground. What do you need? <laughs> and I listened back to that and thinking of it as tiger, like what he left the PJ tour guys with. And it made me laugh really, really hard. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like, yeah, even from like a governmental perspective, Congress, and then also like the DOJ, like there's still like a majors investigation out there as well. Like there's all sorts of collusion and wage fixing there. Like there, it, there's like, it's not just the tour, right? Like the, the, the entirety of golf is, is kind of potentially getting upended here. Well, it feels to me a bit like. I don't know. I was a little too young for this, but I remember the 1994 strike in baseball of like, you guys played it really fast and loose with the trust of the fans here. Like you bitched and you fought over the money side of this and you middle fingered all the people that drive the value of this. It's a little bit how I feel as a golf fan of like, dude, it is super, a huge turnoff to watch all of this play out over the last couple of years and has greatly messed with what I love about golf. And what I would think a lot of people love about golf, like you don't, it's a little bit interesting to like follow the ups and downs of this from week to week, but we all are here because we like the sport and we like the game and we like the competition at the highest level. And they are really flirting slash maybe have ruined uh, people's trust in this competitive level of this sport. That's where back to Damon's thing, his last paragraph, it said, it's unclear whether Monaghan will return to the PGA Tour. It would be understandable if he opted out because what is the appeal of a job that's been reduced to scavenging in order to meet the grotesquely inflated price tags his players put on their own charisma, a value that a rational market has shown no sign of supporting. What are the chances? Go ahead, Randy. No, I I, I like that. Yeah, I there were bits and pieces of his article yeah. I love. Had he titled it "Patrick Reed is a chode" and here's why, like Patrick can't lay. <laughs> we can't. We can't. No, allegedly. Oh, no. Oh shit. No. Oh no. shit. Redacted. Oh, we're going bankrupt. Redacted. Yeah. Redacted. Lady J, That's I am not sorry. <laughs> Lady J, I am sorry. Patrick can't lay. Yeah, two thumbs up. Like great article. We'll we'll gladly read like why he's a chode. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I honestly, I don't have a whole lot more to add, just because I think it just comes back to we don't know so much. So it's just yeah. hard to. It's it's hard. Hard to comment. On. I hate. I hate to say this, but I kind of read it and, and view it as like it's almost the end of the, of June, and I have to get something written for this month, <laughs> and I don't really know what's going on. And we know this Cantley thing's been like the worst like hidden secret forever. I can write about that and try to do a little bit of like dancing around in support of the tour and Jay and put this article out there. Like I'm all about, there's no, there's no depth there. Like this is just, well, I I, think people have been saying for months. I think it's extremely valuable to get the Cantley stuff out there. (laughs) True. But I mean, still there's no, there's not a lot of depth there. There's no depth there. Do you think it's weird? The lack of reporting around the Monaghan situation like I, I do want to recognize I'm sensitive people's health. Like I, I understand that, but his, his, his job and his stature and in light of the news that was just released at the beginning of the month, it does strike me a little strange that there's not more reporting around like yeah. what is going on. Yeah. What is going on? What is the 
outlook. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And to get the, maybe I'll, I'll counter that and say like, got it. Like we, we take the PGA tour very, very seriously. This is our job. Like we, we follow it very religiously, but I mean, the PGA tour did everything that they were supposed to do. They immediately named two people who are going to take over in, in his stead while he's recovering. It's obviously he has all the personal reasons in the, in the world, not to put more information out there. And I would say it's more on on the tour to communicate what a a somewhat reintegration or come out plan is, because there's also a lot of things that are out there that's like he's out, he's not out. When's he coming back? Like, what is it? And when we, we see this from the player's point of view of what the fuck is actually going on, like you would think there there will be something, but I also don't know like would you rush some sort of speculation? And then what happens if he misses that day? What if he's not ready to come back? We don't even know what the then fuck If he's not ready to come back, then like you need a leader. Like that's like the reality yeah. of the situation is like you need a leader to, and I'm not, I don't think he was the right guy anyway to, to really to begin with. But like at some point you can't, you know, it's like when Oscar Munoz from my hitters at United Airlines, he, he had a heart attack and he couldn't come back. And it was like, hey man, like you got, you got to step aside here. Like we need someone to, to lead this organization i will say it's been two weeks yeah it yeah, seems like, like it's a long time but it, it's we're relying it's upon weeks. the tour to like be like like communicate something effectively like that's the, <laughs> yeah that, that's like they're not ca- capable of that like like i would i would be more shocked if they communicated anything effectively than just about anything else they could possibly do well, and there's there's something that stinks right now. Something smells from where I'm sitting. Like we we something's rotten in Denmark. Well, again, we like I, I know people hate this part, but like we we hear a lot of things about shit going on. Players talk. Like we just we generally have a sense of like rumblings that are going on, and it's kind of hard to get information right now. Like I don't have a clear picture from a lot of people of like exactly what's going on, and. I can't piece the puzzles together, the, the pieces together myself as to what it is, like where the players stand on this. They're they're all being suspiciously quiet in public. And I I know they've had a lot of private meetings talking about this stuff, and we've not gotten really the downloads from those meetings. And that's a rarity, right? And I, like, like media, you know, gag orders or whatever internal stuff you want to put in to say like, hey, let's not talk to the press about that. That happens, but the, everything that's gone down since like June 6th has been weirdly quiet and... Uh, I, I, it's been hard for, hard for us to make sense of it. A lot of like our representations on this show, even if not sourced are like filtered through multiple sources that are giving us information that we feel comfortable representing through our opinions and things like that. And that is, uh, for me, that's dried up a lot over the last several, several weeks. And it's been, it's, it's really weird. Maybe because no one else knows what the fuck is going on. So I, I can't wait for the congressional hearing. I hope it's lit. I hope it's, uh, I I don't know. I hope I, I hope we learn stuff from it. Um, Cody, to your point, I, I think under any other circumstances, like I don't feel like I would need to know more about Jay or even want to know more about Jay. But I think given that this was like a sudden medical condition tied to likely, you know, this this hugely important piece of news and a potential agreement, I, I just think it rises to a level of like, at the very least, we need better communication from the tour. Randy, can I ask you about? Uh, you're excited for June, July 11th, the the hearing. What what are you rooting for out of this? Like, what do you? Uh, what's a good just, result? I don't know my, the answer myself. Like, I'm I, want I don't some, either. 
I don't either. Like, are we uh, rooting for like the the government just be like wave them on through? Like, come on down, Saudi. Like, take the money, go run the league, and and, and get off and run. Or are we rooting for everything to blow up and like see what's left of the scraps when it's all over? I hate to say it, I'm kind of rooting for stuff to blow up. I, what does I kind that world look like? Like at some point, I don't should know. we just start over? Right? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like maybe we need a, a big reset. You guys have a lot more faith in the United States government than I do, because uh, keeping Saudi happy for everything in, in the overall GDP and, and world global politics is a hell of a lot more important to the United States of America than than a PGA Tour weekly event. I mean, there there's massive deals with between the price of oil right now and and, and everything else. Like they want to keep Saudi Arabia happy. And there's a reason why all of this lined up the way that it did. And if you want to tie other people who are running for president and and decisions on when he was his arraignment and everything else was like, this is all part of a, a bigger package to to keep them happy and to ensure that they are the number one ally to the United States of America in the overall golf region. So golf, so golf, or golf? <laughs> which goes golf or golf. golf. The Arab Gulf. So if it's if if we you know if the government kind of rolls over and is green lighted and I I at least want a little comeuppance for like it just rubs <laughs> me the wrong way how this all went down I guess I I don't know I think that's what I'm left with is just it doesn't quite make sense to me yet and so I guess for sure maybe that's what I'm after if the congressional hearings can help with like just help it make sense to me. Which like, because I think at one point, I, I got, I don't know, maybe still at this point, like I'm, I don't care if the PGA Tour is a monopoly, like I don't care if they have antitrust violations, if it means that we have a good, strong, competitive golf world, right? And like, do I, do I think it's like they're the best and most? I think they're the best and most capable of anyone that exists currently to present that, right? Am I still a huge uh, supporter of the PGL idea and the idea of team golf and like all the best players in the world being on teams and something? I dream of a world better than the PGA Tour. I do, but I don't think like that. It, it's that's like coming close. I don't think that's the next thing on the docket if the PGA Tour falls apart. I think it's like fighting for scraps at that point. I don't know if they, I don't know if people start their own tours. I I do not know what happens if this thing all falls apart. At some point, can we just get some fucking adults in the room? Right. Right. Like, I think that's what Jimmy Dunn's supposed to be, right? Like, I think that's the whole, I mean, he's not been there very long and he comes in to say like, all right, I'm going to, I'm doing this deal now, guys. Like this is, this is my, this is my but thing. You guys are like, capable about this. He's still a board member. He's not like the dude yeah. running the show. He's not, he's not the CEO. He's not the commissioner. He's not the deputy commissioner. Does like, he become that? Would, that I don't think question? he would have any, any desire to do that. Like Jimmy just wants to play golf and, probably be the hero on this stuff right he wants to save the day but he doesn't he doesn't want to fly around and beg comcast and waste <laughs> management for more money you know <laughs> come on baby mr job pays really play. well but it doesn't look like that fun of a job i will say that that's for sure big i i hate to say it because i think that date is going to be like an extreme letdown because yeah. what i think well what i think we're going to learn is that basically it it went down the same like the exact same way that we've heard it so far. Like, oh yeah, Mr. Jimmy Dunn sent a WhatsApp <laughs> message. And then we flew and had lunch a couple times yeah. and played golf. And he closes the deal because he closes the deal. He's like the, the expert negotiator, right? 
And then Ed came in and was like, okay, well, this is like structurally what, what we need to put together because that's what they're really fucking good at. Do you think we maybe yeah. learn a little bit about this, whatever the hell's new venture is on July 11th? Maybe like, that's my hope. Like tell, explain to me what the hell this thing is going to mean. How do you, how does the tour plan to keep its nonprofit status? And how do you not owe the back taxes from all the blah, blah, blah year? I, it's Yeah. That's a good fucking question. That, I mean, that's so many questions. I wish I had answers for the audience, but I'm just dumping this out here I, of like where, how confused we are. Randy. I, I, the last thing I'll add, and we can get out of here because this is long, but I, in a vacuum, do I care about if the PGA Tour is a monopoly? Like if, if we're just speaking to like pro golf, it probably doesn't upset me more. But I think I do care in a wider sense about, you know, listen, if, if, if this administration is taking a stronger stance against monopolies and and they are they have then i do think like if the pga tour deal is rotten then i kind of am like be consistent i i I want i want the rules applied consistently um which is like totally separate from my enjoyment of golf but i i do think it's like at some point like the monopoly stuff has to matter a little bit i think i think it I don't know. I, I, again, I'm trying to think of this in terms of other sports and getting up what makes golf different is, you know, there's an ownership group and there's a player's union and what, again, all the, the three major sports in the, in the United States. Right. And there's not that obviously for a member run organization where the owners quote unquote owners are the PGA tour players. Right. So what, what I worry about is what has happened over the last many, many years is the tour being the only option and we're kind of stuck watching a stale product that has no incentive to improve in any way because it's not driven by any kind of competition. And we've seen all the things that have changed on the PGA Tour, which we have screamed for for many, many years, just with the existence of Live. And I guess it, I, I'm struggling to know where that blame gets put other than like on the players to like take some ownership in the product, which is what I was so encouraged about the designated event model was like this was the players saying, here's what we want. We're going to show up enthused, excited. We're going to do walk and talks. We're going to entertain you. Like we are here to entertain you. We've heard the criticism and we're going to do it. And I maybe, maybe, maybe golf can't be fixed in that way. Right. Maybe it, maybe that flame has burned out this quickly. Um, but at least, at least it felt like for a little while there, that golf was trending a little bit in the right way. Very slow progress, but um, I don't know. Long-winded now at this point. So, can I get two shouts before we go, or one shout out and then yeah. one? Uh, yeah, please. shout out to Podrick Harrington, one for delivering a very memorable podcast exper- uh, uh, appearance this past week. Got a lot of great feedback from a lot of people on that. Please go listen to that if you have not. Also, the podcast bump is alive and well because he won on the Champs Tour uh, this past week. Want to give a shout out, um, Uncle Yost, my my Uncle Yost uh, uh, Lauten lost a tough, tough one in Germany this week. Thurston Lawrence edged him out, but um, Uncle Yost is delivering, and we do appreciate that from him. But he, that was a short putt he missed. Short putt he missed on the seventy first hole, and then par five eighteenth hole he did uh, he did not birdie, and he lost ended up losing by one, unfortunately. Um, and long long rumored and and had since been uh, I think we've even talked about this but Riviera officially announced as the venue for the 2031 U.S. Open. Yeah, those L.A. golf fans, man, give them a They're back. Did you guys see that that feature or like that piece on port like hospitality and stuff for Pinehurst for yeah. next year? I tweeted yeah. that out. 
Yeah, shout out to the pilot. Local newspaper. I appreciate that, TC. Supporting I'm a, the local I'm a friend of, uh, journalists. I'm a there. friend of journalists everywhere. Yeah, except for the pilot. You only get like three free views, and then they <laughs> fucking hate you know, You know, good information TC. shouldn't be free. But yeah, it's just concerning. Like, I get that maybe it wasn't the best experience in the last couple of times they've had it at Pinehurst because they, they had too many people. Like, that's we can talk about that as well. But when you consistently now are taking away grandstands and adding in like these premium viewing areas and like reducing the, the amount of juice from our national championship, that's not cool. Not good. So the article just to explain so people who didn't read it, it basically said that for Pinehurst and we're used to have like super high spectator numbers of Pinehurst in talking with USGA, they said that they are going to continue for next year, the model of having, more of these high-end, uh, you, you know, venues instead of general spectators on. But I, I don't know if you guys quite remember this or not, but Pinehurst, North Carolina, the middle of June, number one, it's lightning storms every single afternoon. Number two, it's like 100 degrees with like 90% humidity. So maybe that is what's best for the fans out there is having a little bit more, you know, cover everything else totally. like that. But but I agree. I don't think it's going to be like as extreme as LACC, of course, was. But Pinehurst, you know, I understand it's like we like to call it, you know, the the, the cradle of American golf. Uh, you need to pack that place in. And the yeah. lack of, you know, overall GA is, is going to be rough. Yeah. And it's one of those things like I get it. Like it's not the easiest place to watch golf either. All the greens are elevated. And, you know, there's kind of some some tough viewing angles there. And I'm not anti-corporate hospitality either. Like, like nobody's like <laughs> nobody you're, loves you're hospitality more than TC. Here, baby. <laughs> talking about the ultimate C-suite experience. Yeah. You know, we just got to keep it in proportion, right? Yeah, guys, I'm concerned about the. Uh, I'm happy that Riv. I think it's going to be an awesome for a U.S. Open venue, but God, we don't need to have these venues out like 40 years. It's a it's a little ridiculous when like I filled in that name there and i looked at it i was like what the f i can't even think that far ahead like what the hell are we doing i mean ludwig's gonna be like 70 <laughs> yeah freddie's fucking kid's gonna be running the podcast by the time we get to the end of the list uh i'll save that for another show i'm beat guys it's just worked up about a lot of things as we go into rocket mortgage week which i'm psyched for Oh, it's the three one three challenge back this year. I'm assuming it is TC. <laughs> I will keep you posted the more I learn about it. But Code Man, thank you for running the ones and twos, TC. I know you're battling through a migraine today. We appreciate that, Randy. Appreciate all the insights you've brought uh, into the the men's and the women's game. Uh, shout to all of our listeners and viewers that tune in live. All the live comments. Uh, shout to High Noon for sponsoring the show. Of course, shout to Titleist. Shout to Roback. Shout to everybody. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Store.nolangup.com if you want to shop for any merch offerings we have. If you want to join the nest, nolangup.com slash join. Uh, I think that is it. I am going to go uh, rest up a little bit. It is time. It's a lot of golf watching this week. So, Solly, we're done with live shows for a little bit for on the men's side, but we're going to be back for the U.S. Women's Open. We're going to be covering it all week long. Very, very excited to get out to Pebble, check it out, watch the, the Women's U.S. Open from there. Greatly look forward to that. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you back here soon. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him?
That is better than most. Better than most. 